Welcome, welcome, welcome to Armchair Expert. I'm Dan Shepard. I'm joined by Mrs. Mouse. Hello, Dan Shepard. Old time friend here today. You used to be in the ticket office. That's right. At UCB. The front desk. A decade ago. Oh, yeah. Getting so excited when this person would come in. So excited. He's a legend. He's a legend. He's one of your heroes. Yeah. And you got to work with him on your tiny cooking show. Yeah, I did. <laughs> yes. It's a shock to me that Paul and I have never hung out. I'm surprised as well. So many mutual friends and then just being in the same circles for so long. So yes. I've been waiting for this for a long time. I don't listen to every episode of their podcast, but I follow him on yes. Instagram. And there's so many clips of his different podcasts. And he's just endlessly hysterical. Entertaining. He yes. really is. He's an orator. Yeah. He's so well-spoken. Yeah. Paul Shear, he's an actor. He's a comedian. You love him in Black Monday, The League, Human Giant, Veep. And he has an incredible podcast called How Did This Get Made with our really number one, Jason Manzukis and his wife, June, Raphael. But he has a serious podcast, and it's incredibly good, called Unspooled. And it's an academic breakdown of movies. So First cool. season was AFI's uh, 100. And this season, which is out now, is tackling all different genres and stuff. So please check those out. He is so entertaining and funny. And we just had a blast talking to him. Yeah, he's a good boy. He sure is. Please enjoy Paul Shear. We are supported by New Balance. Whether you're going for your first ever jog around the park, getting ready for a marathon, or even picking up the pace on the last stretch before you get home, if you run, you're a runner. Whether you need shoes for comfort, stability, or race day speed, they've got you covered. Because the only right way to run is your way. New Balance. Run your way. Visit newbalance.com running to learn more. We are supported by Celebrity Cruises. I know what you think. As long as you're on vacation, you're happy. But the truth is, some vacations are better than others. And there's one that's better than all of them. Celebrity Cruises. With rooms, food, and service like theirs, you'll never want a vacation any other way. And you won't have to with all the places Celebrity goes. They even have weekend Caribbean escapes if you're short on time. So visit Celebrity.com, contact your travel advisor, or call 1-800-CELEBRITY and see why nothing comes close to Celebrity Cruises. Ships Registry, Malta, and Ecuador. He's an I didn't know how huge Diane Woodward was. I just know the name, but I didn't realize she was like, well, like Brando, female Brando. Yeah. And he was aspiring. Well, it's that weird thing where she Hi. doesn't get as much Hi. she doesn't get as much shine. No. And she and took a back seat for Paul. I know. Paul Newman? Kids. Yeah. Did you watch the doc? No. Okay. No. But What's I figured the reservation. You love time, your time you know, and energy. You watched all of Wednesday in one day. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I sure did. Do you know Paul did my tiny food show? He did? Yeah. Yes, that was super oh, fun. It was oh. fun. It was very cute. That was a good time. Were you a guest judge or did you? Oh, he competed against Rob Hubel. Yes. Old time rival, Rob exactly. Hubel. Yes. 
Friend and rival. What would you make tiny food? Yes, we're not like tiny food chefs. That's right. We're I mean, shocks yeah. <laughs> Very few people are. Yeah. We made tiny carrot cakes, which was really nice. But <laughs> it was a fun challenge to be as particular as that. Nailed it called me up one time and they're like, can you be a judge for Nailed It? And I was like, no, I want to be on Nailed It. Yeah. And I want to do it because that to me seems way more fun. Like I would love to try to do Survivor. I don't want to be on Survivor, but I would love to try to do those challenges in like a, a way. Like a couple legs yeah. of it or yeah. something. Amazing yeah. Race seems really fun, but I don't want to just sit there and make fun of them. I'm like, put me in that thing. And you know, when you're a judge of something, you have zero memory of it. Yes. It just right. floats away because you didn't really do anything. But if you were trying really hard to make miniature character, carrot yeah. cake, you're going to remember that. I remember it very specifically. <laughs> that was a Freudian this slip, <laughs> min miniature character, character cake. <laughs> do you have the type of personality, as I do, which is even if I don't care about the thing, if I get in there, I all of a sudden really do. I guess oh. I'm more competitive than I want to believe I am. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> and this is like a problem with my wife and I because when it comes to board games oh. and board games, like there's no stakes to that. Yeah. Right. You can get in these modes where you're like, God damn it. You didn't guess that that was a cart. I was drawing a cart, whatever it is. <laughs> and my wife is really competitive. That makes for a very good pairing, I think. Chris and I are oddly competitive with one another as well. And I feel like it adds a little spice. I think what it does is it gives you a little bit of competition in a healthy way. We play tennis. We just started playing tennis Ooh. like in the pandemic. And when she beats me, yeah. I do carry a little bit like I'm, you know, yes. and, and if she does too. And she, Otherwise, like, why do it? If exactly. it has zero effect on your emotions or your... Exactly. Yeah. yeah, except there was a rule for a while that we couldn't play spades together yeah. and you and Kristen couldn't That's play right. spades and together. And we had to outlaw the game Settlers of Catan in our house. Yeah. Okay, see, yeah. Did you ever play that game? I have not played that game because... No one wanted to play with me. And you see, this is my problem with board games. I like to play a board game. I need like a concierge to come sometimes and be like, here's how we're going to do it. We're going to explain it to you. I feel similar. I could never look at the box and learn how to do it. I get exhausted at the thought of it. Someone has to walk me through <laughs> it like I'm five. You. Yeah, that's what yeah, I need. Yeah. There's a guy, Rich Summer, who was on Mad Men. Great guy, <laughs> super funny dude. He is a board game freak he has a garage full of board games mm. and what he would do is have these board game nights but he would be the leader and go like all right this is the game that we're playing oh, and then be the arbiter of the, the liaison rules. the you ambassador need, of yes. the game yeah. and then it and i had the most fun playing games because it's yeah. like once you open up that book you yeah. have to dole out the rules a little bit slowly like sure. we are playing a very competitive game in our house right now called rummy cube it's an old school Love rummy cube yeah. i know i've played it but we i can't it remember oh, oh we do the little tiles. The little tiles. They're and we fun. have little kids too. So when you can get the kids involved too, and then yeah. everyone's it's a little really bit. Fun. Yeah. This one might interest you. It's useless because I can't remember the name. But before we leave, I can tell you. Yeah. It's like a game of telephone, but it works like this. Everyone playing, because you can play with the kids, yeah. you have these little books and they're dry erase basically. And so on the front, you write a word and then you pass it to the left. And then that person sees the word, then they open it up and then they draw a picture. Oh, yeah. oh, and then they pass that to I the left. This. And that person looks at the picture and then they write what word they think it is. So oh. it's telephone, but with drawings and That's everyone's doing great. it. So it's, it's rotating each time. And then at the end, you go through where it starts, That's like massage therapist. And then by the end, <laughs> you know, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, burning Tower of Babel, you know. That's so great though, because our kids love to play telephone, but want to mess it up on the first Trot, right? Like, yes. and, that, and that, like, yeah, it's like, come on, guys. We always try to tell them, we'll get the funny It'll thing. Happen you won't naturally. remember it. Yeah. yeah. Like, 
<laughs> yeah, I want it natural. I don't like <laughs> monkeying with like the yeah. best is if you're earnest about it and that's it's wrong. Right. It's way funnier. I know that's when you get too many clever folks together and everyone's well, got a spin when on your everything. Your parents are comedians, <laughs> and you're like, I want to be a well, comedian too. I, I was I got into it with my son the other day because he was trying to cheat at Mad Libs. I'm like, no, no, no. The goal of Mad Libs is that you're not trying to get it right. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be funny and weird. Yeah. He's like, well, wait, 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 just tell me how it sounds. I'm like, no. Is he a perfectionist? Is he the oldest? He is the oldest. He's all sports all the time. Wow. And I think he's like, how do I win? Yeah. What's the rules? Yeah. Like, adjective. What adjective do you want? What do I need? It should be yeah. color or a right. size. I don't want to sound stupid here. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Do they line up ones like you and ones like your wife? We're kind of split. Each kid has a little bit of us. My oldest has the sportsmanship of my wife and the competitiveness of my wife. And my youngest is super goofy. I don't want to devalue either one of us, but I think we can see little things. Yeah. Policing yourself to allow them to be their own people a hundred percent yet at the same time you're like fuck that's pretty obviously my that's wife me. Yeah. 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 yeah or that's me or yes. that's yeah yeah and and it's weird because you want them to be who they are and then you realize you have no control over it because these two kids came out two years apart same parents same house and they are wildly different yeah i didn't do that i didn't make that conscious choice yeah, even positive attributes of mine that I thought I'd developed through hard work and dedication, yeah. <laughs> I was clearly born with. My father filed bankruptcy multiple times, terrible with money, right? I was always very frugal. I saved every dollar right. I ever made. I thought in opposition to him, I have two daughters. One, you give her $10. She somehow figures out how to spend 12 when you take her out with the $10. <laughs> That's Delta. The other one has never spent $1 she's been given over nine years. And I'm like, oh, I was born that way. One of my kids hoards money as if <laughs> like it's hidden in a drawer. My other yeah. kid, if he gets money in a card, is nothing to him. And is one you and one your wife? Is one of you more of a hoarder? I mean, look. You throw I, it around. I, I throw it around. No, I was <laughs> yeah, look so, at your cool outfit. Yeah. It obviously costs money. Yeah. Free Clippers jacket <laughs> that I got. <laughs> By the way, very smart of you. You've declared yourself a Clippers fan. I read in previous oh, interviews. Yeah. And I'm like, that's the move. You're going to be the 1,000th most famous Lakers fan. Get in that Clippers bandwagon. <laughs> you you got a chance to be at the banquet, you know? This is it, you know? This it's is very tactical. <laughs> I'm always interested in how people deal with money early on because I am a little, I don't know if I can still say this term without being offensive, like OCD. I had a notebook. Every dollar was accounted for because I was so broke or just, barely making ends meet. I remember the first TV show I got, I got a couch and I was like, oh my God, $700 for a couch. It just felt yeah. like the yeah. most decadent thing. I was like, now I'm an adult. I bought yeah. my own couch. It's not an I'm Ikea couch. I'm spoiling myself. Yeah, I'm very good at understanding where the money goes. I'm on it, yes. you know? I think yes. my wife is a little bit more loose with it. Loosey goosey. Yes. Yeah. She'll always say like, we need to talk about cutting down our spending. And then it always is about me, but I'm like, but I'm not, I'm <laughs> yeah. keeping a consistent we, balance. I'm, I'm like, good. But then I realize I don't argue with it anymore. I just go, you're right. We do, we do. Yeah, and I just yeah. sit there and then I walk away and I keep on doing what yeah, I'm doing. Four yeah. months later, yeah. she tells you to back <laughs> off again. Ease off the spending throttle. <sighs> yeah, I was crazy about money. I never made much. I always had a bunch saved for how little I made. I'm shocked with how much I have to unravel currently now that I have some. I am in that position too. I literally debated getting a new computer 
for six months. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, oh, well, I don't know. And I had this computer for like six I years. Mean, I do use it to generate my living. <laughs> That's like, literally the only thing that I use every, every day. single day. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. And yeah. I'm like beating myself up. I guess it's $2,000. And there are those moments. And then there are moments where I don't think about it at all. It's also, we are in a profession where our money comes in in crazy ways. Like I'm still getting checks from when I did the Conan O'Brien show when I was... <laughs> First, starting yeah. out like yeah. as like an under five performer, literally like, 10 cents, but money comes in in all different directions. It's also the hardest, there's probably worse. It seems like a very hard profession to predict what you're going to make. 100%. Yeah. Right? So it's like, yeah, you're getting these checks. They've been coming now for, I guess, 28 years. <laughs> yeah, the Conan right, yeah. show, I think, first time <laughs> yeah. I saw you on there. But you're like, I don't know, are they coming for another 28? Is it six cents in 19 years? Where are we at? It's impossible to know. It's scary. And I also just feel as I've had these kids and I'm getting a little bit older. I just want to spend on experiences. We just yeah. went on a nice vacation. And whenever it's a vacation with the family, I'm like, yeah. Now, if I go to a hotel, I'm, I'm like a Hampton Inn. June's like, Hampton Inn? I'm like, oh, Hampton Inn's great. They got the desk. They got a clean. They got a desk. It's great. And she's like, you can stay. In. I'm like, no, Hampton Inn. I'm like, yeah. that's where I'm at. You love it. Clippers, yeah, Hampton Inn. <laughs> Just trying to keep it simple. Oh, I love the Clippers. I'm taking pot shots at them, but I love the no, Clippers. No, the Clippers are a lot of fun. I'm a New York guy. I came from New York, grew up there, and I was a Nick fan. I knew I was going to be living out in LA, and I was like, I can't be. You just couldn't go to the Lakers, right? No. Yeah. I can't jump on yeah. a bandwagon. No. And the Clippers were really fun when I came out here, and I just fell in love with them. But I didn't want to ever be one of those people who like, well, I grew up here, so I'm always going to be that. You can do that for college, I think. But if you have kids or you want to bring them in, so you hey, want motherfucker, like, you live here. Yeah. We have room support. for this place. Yeah. 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 Okay. So Long Island, some town yes, in Long yeah. Island. Long Island. I mean, which I think to most people, and it should probably all blends together. I meet so many people from Long Island. They're like, oh, I'm from this place. And I've never heard of it. <laughs> right. And it's not that big. <laughs> but it but is big, it's, isn't it? It's, it's skinny, but it's, it's long as fuck, it's right? It's very long. And to there's a three lot of- hours to drive the length of that Yeah, thing? you can drive the whole, I mean, and I have. I've gone out there right to the lighthouse. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oddly, my wife, who I did not know growing up in Long Island, is from like three towns away <gasps> no. from me. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's it, them too. Chris and Adak. Yes, from Michigan. same, same. Michigan, you have a lot of good sports teams to root for there. Well, certainly our hockey team yeah. was kind of undefeatable my whole right. childhood there. And the Pistons won 88-89. So that imprints on you as a kid. Yes. Bill Lambeer and all these yes. guys. Yes, yeah. and then you have the whole lore that why it's a better team than all the others. Because my whole take on that is they didn't have one star. Yeah. Yeah, like uh, there's some reason that's so cool to me. Like, I love that. Middle class guys oh, <laughs> working as a team. <laughs> Best team ever because they were the worst team ever. Yeah, I remember the idea of the Pistons when I was a kid. It was like, they're like a bully team. It was Yes. Like, we'll punch Michael Jordan in the face. We don't care. <laughs> yes. They had no respect for anyone's no. franchise players. Uh. Yeah, and Lambeer just never got off the ground, just on the tiptoes. <laughs> By the way, do you ever watch these sports documentaries? They show those. I watched them live, yeah. but it didn't occur to me then. But now when I see back, there was a point in one of those Bad Boys documentaries, you know, Lambeer goes up in Boston and three guys just start blasting him in the face. I mean, they're not even going for the ball. Yeah, they're, they're just punching oh him. Oh my God. No whistle. No, it was a whole, was I mean, it was, sport. you watch it and it's like, they play differently. Now you understand why when you watch any of those players now on any sports show, they're all limping around. Yes. <laughs> they're yes. like, yeah. they were beat up. Any guy that plays now, they're coming in, they're getting massages. Got the Clippers trainer. were so cheap that they were reusing bandages. Ew. That was like back when their original <laughs> owner, that racist guy, oh, yeah. uh, you know, he was like, reuse the bandages. Yeah. I'm like, what? They're like, make them buy their own socks. 
Oh, like, that's how oh, cheap wow. he was. He's like, well, buy their own socks and charge them for laundry. Oh, my God. Like, it was really... So you both grew up in Michigan, but close to each other? About, as the crow flies, 12 miles, but very different. I'm right where the last suburb of Detroit turned into farmland. So I'm from a real hillbilly area. Okay. She went to a private school and sang and stuff. And I was lighting things on fire and lots of fights and terrible everything. I had a foot in both sides (laughs) of those things as well. Because I grew up in an area that was a little rougher, Uh but then I got on a bus to go to a school that was nice. This is the Catholic school? This is a Catholic school, How far away was it from your town? It was like a 30-minute drive. I mean, I was on a bus for a long time. And there was one point where I had to get on a bus to take me to the public school to get on another bus to take me to the school that oh I went to. Gosh. It was like, you were using the first one as like a gypsy cat. Yeah, You're exactly pirating your way. Not allowed to say that. <laughs> and I think that's a real term. You're not allowed to say gypsy anymore. Oh no, gypped. Got it. Yeah, okay. I think that's gypsy right. cab. I, I know there's no other thing. name for a gypsy the cab, is there? The Romanian. A Romanian cab. <laughs> now, now we're in trouble. Now, <laughs> that now the show's worse. canceled. That's it. Yes. That sounds way worse. <laughs> but I grew up across the street from this forest, but not like a forest that you would think about. Woods. You just like get caught in what I thought was quicksand. I don't know. It's sucking. Like oh I come God. back home with like no shoe. We had horses and dogs and in our yard, Navy. shooting guns in the front. Like it was that kind of thing on one side, and then on the other side was a whole different thing. Like people didn't come over to my house that much. Was it kind of an expensive higher end Catholic school? I think it was a middle of the road. It was nice. It was fine. You wore a uniform. Sure. That was it. You know, all boys. No, it wasn't all boys school that then switched. So that was actually a great, a great mix. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of sexual harassment cases that uh, went down there because it was a brothers lived upstairs, Franciscan brothers. That's at the time when a brother might do something and they say, okay, you go to another school and then you live above it. They lived on the the fourth floor and the three, two, and one, that was a school. So they would come down from the fourth floor. And the brothers are the teachers? Some were, some lay people, some brothers, some nuns. I've had some tussles with nuns. Nuns would punch me, you know, and and you can't tell on a nun. They're above reproach, is that what it is? Or at least in my time, it wasn't like, yeah, a nun took me by the hair and slammed me in the back of the <gasps> locker, back of my head, not face, front. It was shocking. Yeah. But who do I tell? God's got her back. <laughs> my mom did Catholic school, yeah. and she has a lot of trauma. <laughs> and uh. she really doesn't look favorably on nuns. There are good teachers, bad teachers, good nuns, bad nuns. But I think that there's an energy to anything when you live in a life where you're cut off from a lot of things. And you yes. may be the most spiritual person, but anger's going to seep out. Exactly. Yeah. Seep the out. repression is going to And there's a power dynamic. Burble. That yeah. happens where you, yeah. you get to take it out on all these little kids. Those young, sexy boys. <laughs> so sexy. Who aren't going to say a goddamn <laughs> thing. Yeah. yeah. Oh. I mean, it was so wild. Yeah, you but can't really care in a nun. You can't say, like, give me no, your manager. Because, and by the way, who are you going to go to? Another nun? Exactly. Because like, her superior is another nun. Like, yeah. you're, they're they all sticking together. This is it. They're the original mob. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, I have a question about you in the woods. Were you the kid that was leading the shootings? And the, the when you say it like shootings, yeah, that sounds, shootings. That I'm taking sounds people very bad. like of Miller's Crossing over here, like uh, executing people in my neighborhood. Listen, you said guns, and I imagine Miller's you're shooting. Crossing. Or were you following? I was a lone wolf in the sense that no kids lived anywhere in my area. 
Can I ask what your parents did real quick? My mom was a nurse in the ER. Oh. She then became a biofeedback technician. Then she became a psychiatrist or oh. a psychologist. Yeah. And now she's a lawyer. And now she runs the outpatient risk management here at one of the big hospitals here in Los Angeles. So my mom has been on this trajectory of being in school until I think she was like 65. Holy did shit. Did she have you really young? Yeah, my parents had me like, like when they're in their early 20s. Okay. And then my dad, they're divorced. My dad is a pharmacist, been a pharmacist, always a pharmacist. And then my stepdad, who was in the picture for a while where we lived in the woods, he was a uh, truck driver for like a supermarket chain. She went the other way. Yeah. What age did he arrive? My parents got divorced at three. Uh-huh. Same, same. My first stepdad arrived at like four and a half, five. Okay, so this is interesting. I don't want to creep you out, but obviously there are some similarities. I've listened to the show. I see that and I'm like, oh, there are some Crossover. little things that oh, I yes. see. Don't you think a good comedian has to hate authority? Isn't that like a prerequisite? I think it is. And has it gotten you in trouble? I mean, I would get into fights. That was something I've really worked on to be yeah. like, I got to pull back this anger. Like you're so this. sunny. I'm very well, surprised by this. You have a warmth about you. Oh, you're nice to say. Like, I think I've gotten a lot better. I, I always think I, I still think I had that warmth, but if I felt like someone is messing with me, mm. if I feel like yeah. someone's messing with somebody else, I can turn that switch kind of quickly. And not recently. I think I've gotten off of that path a little yeah. bit. You have to. Because it's killing you. That yeah. was the realization I had. I was like watching my father die in the hospital and this man was never bested and he would take on anyone. And by all accounts, he won most of these showdowns and I'm watching him die at 62 and I'm like, oh no, he lost. You yeah. carry that rage, the adrenal dump, all the cortisol, you end up dying from it. You're the victim of it. It really does because you're just a simmering pot. Mm-hmm. Like yes. you, and it's, it's like bad that, for your body. Yes. I'm trying to get in my mindset to figure out how to change that. And I think I've done that in different ways. Now, I got to tell you what I'm interested in. I haven't done it. Have you heard of taking an ice bath? I'm they just got religious about it. Okay, yeah, so I just train. ordered one. You did good. Yeah. Did you read Dopamine Nation? No. Okay, you should. It's okay. fantastic. Okay. In a nutshell, you could smoke a cigarette. Yeah. That'll spike your dopamine. But then your body, which is perfect at homeostasis, right. will unleash all the bad chemicals to right size this unnatural spike in dopamine. The equation is such that if you have five minutes of high from the cigarette, you're going to have about an hour and a half of shitty chemicals from your body. Conversely, if you do 10 minutes of cold plunging, you have up to two hours of elevated dopamine. So just how do you want to tip the seesaw? So now I'm super into the sauna. See, that seems like that's the game. Can I tell you something? I was in Miami in March, maybe, and Chris was obsessed with getting a sauna, and she kept sending these fucking emails like, oh, I researched this one, and this is the yeah. Reader's Digest says this, and blah, blah. like looking for feedback. And in my head, I'm like, I don't want a fucking sauna. Buy whatever one you want. Yeah. I'm not interested in this. This says hooey. <clears throat> it arrives. I mean, at one time, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I've maybe missed five nights in the last three months. I'm addicted to it. I get in it like I'm gonna have a drink. Well, you do TM, right? Yes. I think sometimes hard to do TM, with kids trying to figure out how to manage, you're always having stress and you could take it out on a person, you could take it out on your partner. It's like, how do I kind of help myself manage yes. me yes. so I can go out there and be a better me? Sometimes you need like several mini resets throughout the day if the day requires it, you know? Yeah. Sometimes you can kind of skate through, but it's like sometimes I got to shut it all down for a minute and get back on track. Any kind of quiet cave moment, even yeah. if it's in your car. Yeah, yeah. Wait, okay, now back there. to the authority yeah, sorry, yeah, complex. Sorry, yeah, sorry. Okay, we love them, right? The yeah. truck driver? Uh, so- no, we don't. <laughs> we don't. 
That's so helpful. So I was going to try to tiptoe around all No, no, all no. Like, we can go into whatever. I think there's something insanely unnatural about having a male arrive in your life who's not your father and set out a game plan for everybody. Yes. And we have to look at it from the other vantage point of in the 80s when it was being done wrong and strong. My stepdad would not answer to anything but dad. Oh, that was it. That was rule number one. I am dad. And my real dad is in the picture, an active member in the picture. Yeah. And your father. And my dad. And your dad. Right. I'm not like saying, you're my new dad. Like, I'm not looking for a new dad. He's like, I'm your dad. And like, I didn't realize how fucked up that was. It's very fucked up. Well, you almost got to have kids. Yes. Oh, that's the whole thing. Right. Having kids, I think you start to grieve and also feel anger for these moments because you see yourself, you're like, Oh, wait a second. I would never have done that. Why did they do this? What happened here? These are like some, again, wrong and strong things. The only benefit of the doubt that I will give, they also didn't know. There's so much more out there to tell you how to be or connect you to the world. I got to hit you with a really weird thing I just learned though recently. Now I've also read a pushback against it, but at any rate, it's worth considering. The highest rate of child abuse exists between... A child and a step-parent. Of course. The number I read was enormous. Like, it's such a huge percentage of child abuse. And so all these evolutionary biologists, many of them explain it through this, which is all mammals that take over a pride or a group, if a silverback takes over a group, first thing, kills all the kids. <gasps> To put the new mate in estrus. The woman won't be fertile while she's nursing the children. So the first step is kill all those babies. Same with a lion. When a lion overthrows a pride, first thing, kill all the cubs, then all the females become fertile again. So because we're primates and because all the other primates work that way, there is some suspicion that there is a weird impulse and a weird anger from these stepdads against these children that aren't there, that there's some evolutionary thing that's going on. That's a freaky thought. I think that there is a truth (laughs) to that. Some subconscious hostility that these things aren't yours. Well, also because, yeah, they're not yours. Yeah, this woman had these with someone else. You're a constant reminder of your partner's ex, right? Uh On some level. Probably their true love, let's remind you. Yes, 100%. (laughs) They just couldn't work it out with them. And you know, on some level, you really don't have full control. So you're walking around in this environment where you really don't have control. Because I think there's a lot of walking on eggshells can I say this? Is exactly. it my place? And again, different parents will attract that differently. I always describe my relationship with my stepdad as a relationship with an older brother. You're competing for mom almost. Competing for mom. Yeah. You use force against each other. And I will tell you this. I had a second stepdad. Lovely guy. <laughs> nice guy. Passed away a couple of years ago. But couldn't be more different than the truck driver. But even with him there was that element. My mom and I once got into a very big fight over some dumb shit. And it was one of those blowups where I think I was old enough to be like, we're not going to talk for a bit. And in that time, instead of helping us get back, he took that to kind of widen out the gap. And, And the one thing that he did, and I always remember it, Christmas, a time where I would go home and see everybody, they went away for that Christmas. You know, it wasn't like, hey, you want to come with us? Or it was like, we're gone. And at that point, Uh I'm a 30-year-old guy. Like, you know, it's like, I'm not in the house. I'm not messing. But it still is, I think, an ingrained thing of, 
I come first. We all want to be number one to yeah. the person we love. Now, I'm also, with all that said, yeah. super sympathetic to a step parent. It's so Bond. fucking hard. If you don't have the power, but yet you have to do everything else. Exactly. You got to do the pickups. You got to get the breakfast. Yeah, you you got to hear the screaming and the fucking You have messes. to do all this horrible stuff, but yeah. you can't really partake in the beautiful Steering stuff. Of it. Yeah. I'm always suspect of divorced parents with kids. When they start dating someone new, uh, automatically introduce them to somebody. That to me, I'm like, no, no, no. You should keep that a little bit separate until yeah, you yeah. feel like for this to go forward, we need to introduce it. I feel like if you introduce it too early, it's a mess yeah. for a kid. Because yes. it's like the kid gets attached. It's hard. There's no it rule is. book. And, and then you like, got the woman, who's right. the one always stuck with the kid. Right. Who now just has got to be lonely. Because yeah. where the fuck are you going to find the time to have this side experience when you're raising kids? And then you're really like, well, either I can't be with anybody. How would I even find out? I have to integrate this person to even find. So yeah, it's, it's just a, all a big, messy situation. Yeah. I'm kind of sympathetic to all of it. I get and it. And there's a lot of wreckage. <laughs> and I wonder if that number has changed any kind of a step parent coming into the mix. Are we a little bit more enlightened? I would hope that maybe, yeah. but you don't know. Okay, but did you have an older? I'm an only child. Oh, My yeah. stepfather, the truck driver stepfather had two daughters, one that he never saw, one that he did see. Okay. And she came Similar to live age. with us. Older, but they were cool. Were you attracted to her? Like, in, in a way. Because I had a love triangle I, I, I for mean, a minute. There was, like, yes, she was cool. She listened to the who. She's immediately forbidden. Yes, yeah. of course. So we start with some intriguing shit right Especially there. Especially at that yeah. age. Yeah, yeah. I think the initial, whoa, who is this, like, There's attractive. a female living in my yeah, house. Right? Yes, yes, yes. But then it was easy to become, like, oh, we became really good friends. And she yeah, was, like, a yeah. good sister. But then her friends... It's They're the best thing and uh, best thing you possibly <laughs> yeah. ever have because it's sort of like yeah. oh, I, you know, I'm, I'm in the bar. mix. I'm in, you know, yeah. I'm there, you know, and, and it's and just everyone's like, guards down. Yeah, you're like the little dumb brother, and exactly. they're saying things to you oh, they would wait, never you're say. Funny. Oh my god, yeah. Maybe yeah. You get to hang around like <laughs> yeah. like a big brother is a different vibe. You know, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, so my second stepdad came yeah. with two kids, and the daughter was perfectly in the middle of me and my brother. We're five oh, years apart. Boy. So she was in love with him, and I was in love with her. Mm. Wow. And it was a big old messy triangle. So How do you remedy I that? I liked her already. We went to the okay. same elementary school. Oh. She was two grades ahead of me, and I already was fascinated with her. And then all of a sudden, I'm living 20 feet from oh, her bedroom. You got to make this. This is like, I mean, this is like, <laughs> talk about a coming, coming of age. age. Right. I mean, because it's <laughs> like, we're also nothing wrong magically with that. say, like, oh, this, this, no. right. this bullshit arrangement between our parents has now made us incestual. I wonder how many stepbrothers and sisters end up falling in love and getting married. I wonder if there's some there percentage. Be, right? uh, that would be a great I think best. eventually it gets <laughs> too confused. Like my really good friend in middle school, her boyfriend was her brother? Became her brother because oh. because of oh, the parents mom, introduced through them exactly, <gasps> and then they got married. Yes, and that's and, a betrayal and on the what, parents' sake. And then they were, I think, together still for a little bit. What age were they? Uh, I think we were eighth grade, ninth. How grade. could you possibly monitor? At that point, everyone's yeah. not living together. You're know, like moving in with your girlfriend. Can you imagine an eighth grade? I know, but when they become also your brother. They get annoying. I think, yeah. Because you are living with them. Exactly. Yeah, like, and that's, so that's the other an end thing all too. romance. Yeah. I mean, Stinking up the bathroom. Any yeah. relationship Trashing you have in your 20, the first time that you're living with anybody, you learn like, oh, I'm a disgusting pig. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. You have to yeah. make some changes. Humans are foul as yeah. hell, and they shouldn't be sharing the same 300 square that's feet. That's why I always tell people, you got to live with the person that you're going to marry before oh, you get in God. there, because that could wreck 
like a marriage right out of the gate. Oh, like yeah. you got to learn. Well, you also have to go on vacation with the person. You yes. learn a lot on a vacation with somebody. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. are the requirements do you two think before marrying? My big one is I think you need to be with this person for at least a year because you can't hide your true self for more than a year. Six months, like maybe. That. Yeah. But through a course of a year, you're going to see some highs you and lows. You acknowledge just minimally what happens biochemically, which is you'll have a whole different chemistry after a year. Yeah. Yeah. The girl that was so horny for you will never be horny for you again. That's <laughs> over. Like, so what is the relationship right. like then when you got to earn it? This is the whole thing. I mean, I think that people are also like, oh, my relationship is so easy. It's so easy. It's like, I love my wife. We have a great relationship. But relationships take work. It's not bad work. It's not hard. But it's like. Everything I do in my life takes work. Being yes. a parent takes well, work. Anything takes my that job you're takes proud work. of or yeah. that you love, right? Yeah. Yeah, the shit that takes no work, you lose interest in. I would argue that if that person was like horny for you for the rest of your life, it wouldn't be as much fun. <laughs> True. Like, right? I mean, well, to a certain degree. Too easy. Like, it's I mean, antithetical to, to growth. Right. If, yes. if everyone yeah. is totally satiated and compromise is not required, then what is the point of changing? What is the yeah. incentive to change? And I also think that you get these like victories, these moments where you're like, we got through that. Yeah. That, you know, we've been in these moments. I mean, one of the things that I was so kind of blown away by was the COVID time. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. So many of my friends got divorced. Sure. People broke up. And I realized that that was the first time in my entire time I was with my wife that we were together for that long. And that was a giant learning curve. And we had already been together since 2006. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. We are supported by BetterHelp. It feels like a lot has happened this year. It's barely even summer. We went to India for By George. We sure did. Lots to process already. Yeah, but even with so much going on, it's important to slow down. Take a minute to reflect on yourself and make adjustments. And if you need a little help with that, I can't recommend therapy enough. We are both in therapy. We are. We proselytize all the time. Talk about it every day. Couldn't function without it. If you want to give therapy a try, check out BetterHelp. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient and flexible. All you have to do to get started is fill out a brief questionnaire. Plus, you can switch therapists whenever for no additional charge. So take a moment for yourself. Visit BetterHelp.com slash DAX today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash Dax. We are supported by Wayfair. It's exciting when you get your own place or even just a new space because you get to decorate it however you want. I think we forget that decorating our homes can be a form of self-expression. I don't forget. I love it. You've never forgotten. <laughs> but if you're struggling to find the right pieces, I recommend checking out Wayfair. They'll help you create a space that's all you with sofas, chairs, dining tables, wall decor, and more. Whatever you need. I'm helping a friend redecorate. Mm -hmm. and it's so fun. And we just spent a ton of time on Wayfair picking out a beautiful couch. Oh, boy. I kind of need to peruse there to stock the downstairs. They have everything. It's really great. It's time to make your dream space a reality. Every style is welcome in the Waverhood. Visit Wayfair.com or get the Wayfair mobile app. That's W-A-Y-F-A-I-R.com. Wayfair. Every style. Every home. We are supported by Jersey Mike's Subs. Oh, I love Mike's. Yummy, yummy, yummy. It's so good. What's better than a great sub on a summer's day? 
If you're going to the beach, Jersey Mike's is my move every single time. Oh, you can't lose. Getting one exactly the way you like it from Jersey Mike's. Jersey Mike's uses only the highest quality of meat sliced right in front of you, piled high with the freshest toppings. It's a Jersey Mike's thing. You know, I have a friend who's a chef. Yeah. And he loves Jersey Mike's. Of course. And that's how you know. So if you're planning a summer picnic, backyard adventure, or beach day, Jersey Mike's has got you covered. Jersey Mike's, a sub above. Order on the app today or visit jerseymikes.com to learn more. We had some moments during COVID. I mean, shocking. I was like, oh, we were really good at seeing each other three hours a day fucking well-oiled machine we could nail that 24 7 for a year no we supposed had no to experience be like, no, with that no. yeah every little thing comes out i don't know I, are you like me i'll exhaust somebody i'll own a lot of right. it i need to engage right. i want to chat i want to play i'm here to party she's so <laughs> grateful for the rest of the world to like kind of wear me out a bit like a puppy my wife will say to me multiple times I need to shut down. My wife has an off switch. There are topics that we can't talk about past dinner. Yeah. Good boundaries. I like that. And I think that they were good. But once she gets into that bed, the party's over. Like, (laughs) yeah. You don't have to go home, but you can stay here. If I want to be in that bed with her, I got to follow a set of rules. And that's okay. You know what we should negotiate for? One night a week, you and I get double beds at the Cara Hotel down the street. (laughs) And we'll lay in there. Oh, sure. Hampton Inn. That's great. Uh, Wherever you need to be. (laughs) Yeah, let's lay in bed and fucking giggle and engage and go blow it out. At night, particularly, is when I want to blow it out because all my little responsibilities are done. That's the best part it's of it. Playtime. <laughs> I know. I got nothing. My kids are asleep. Yes. Life is starting. <laughs> Start, for me, it starts at eight thirty p.m. Oh, like, oh. yeah. The I minute wake I hear up. my son's deep breath of sleep, I'm like, <laughs> and we're back. Yeah. It's a limited window too because I'm like, I also have to get up at six in the morning and do right. my stuff yeah. too. So I'm like, you got me from eight thirty to like twelve thirty one. I push it to two sometimes. Do you party? Because here's what I thought. First of all, I think it's so wild that you were already in an improv troupe at 18 in the city's oldest one. And that you immediately went on the road in a touring company and you were traveling the country and then even abroad. My first thought as an addict was you're with adults traveling. If you were going to be an addict, this would be a prime situation to let it rip. You know, because I was with adults, they had their own thing. So if I went to a bar with them underage... They're having like a beer or a drink and that's it. They're not they were modeling oh, some yeah. responsible yeah. stuff. For so you. like if I was going with a bunch of eighteen year olds, yeah. I might have been like, let's go. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Not to say that I didn't have nights of that. For me, I am in that zone of we'll play Rummy Cube tonight. And not to be like I'm late, but I want, well, I want to watch movies. I want to watch this. I want to yeah. I, I want to get you into be alert. It. I think maybe that's my Catholic upbringing. I think it's mm-hmm. also like my yeah. want of control. Well, I was gonna say I might argue as well if you have put your esteem and your confidence in your verbal superpower, which you have. You have like two amazing podcasts. You're brilliant and you're so verbal, very improviser. quick, improper. So yeah, for you to go okay, I'm gonna take my best feature and i'm gonna cut it in half it's also like a stupid strategy i never got to a place where it was awful but i would wrestle so much with not being happy with how i was if i got to that point that morning after of not having done much of anything i want to be more 
centered than than anything yeah. else. Now at this point, I can't even imagine you have to pay that penalty on the other side of it. I have a current wake up call every day, no matter what, like, mm-hmm. you know, no matter if I'm yes. working or from not. Oh, I've never been more grateful for being sober than once we had kids. I'm like, oh, how are people doing this hungover? Like yeah. I can barely do this on eight hours of sleep. I also don't want to be like, have my kids see me like that yeah. too. You know, yeah. it's like, oh, daddy you know, drank that's gonna, last that's night. That's why he I, looks like this. Yeah. yeah. I have zero judgment. I think everyone should drink as much as they can until they have a problem. Like, I think everyone yeah. should just be right at the edge. I'm so pro it. I really am. <laughs> I even go over sometimes. But I have been grateful that my kids have never watched me have a radical shift in personality. That must be so weird. I mean, I can't really remember it. My dad was a drunk, but he was always drunk. So it wasn't like I knew one version of him and then all of a sudden he was this confusing version. Right. I think that's interesting. If you're a kid, like your parents from 7 p.m. on act differently. Yeah, because (laughs) it's like, oh, there's a great scene. I just, I love it so much. I don't know why it sticks in my head of everything I've ever seen, but in Eastbound and Down, like the first episode, Dana McBride's character is like drunk and he's just standing in the doorway, like staring at the kid. And it's like, that is the image of what I see. It's like a kid looking up at this. It's weird. It's yeah. like, what the fuck is going what is on? It, yeah. By the way, I think that's what I might do because I would get sentimental when I'm drunk and I'd want to go stare at them. Oh, like, yeah. I love them so much. I think I might get hammered and just be like, I'm gonna go look. I got drunk and come home and like, I'm like, I'm gonna sit on the edge of my kid's bed and just like touch them. Like, you know, it's like- Touch their feet gently. I love you so much. What is it, Dad? Yeah, it's like, I love you so much. There is that energy. It's like, you know, it's like, it's, you are, it's it's like, that was my, I mean, I was always like in that zone of being, I don't think I ever got like, angry and sometimes when you're happy it's easier to keep uh, the drinks flowing i think too. Yeah, yes. true. wait real quick your paper's out and i'm nervous you're gonna oh, switch no. yeah but i probably scared this sh- i probably I'm scared everyone but you're not know what paper's out paper's out paper's out well i was embarrassed that i had forgotten the name of chicago city limits oh, you don't have so to, yeah, like, first yeah, and foremost i should have remembered the no, name no you don't have to remember the <laughs> okay. name of that this is like serious yeah. i'm taking it serious oh wow i take it bring it down for a second let's bring it down we were really laughing for a while there um were you like why did you pick this person? Because your dad seems very put together. Then she brings this chaos machine into your home. It's a really good question that I don't think I had the wherewithal to ask at the time. No one in my class had divorced parents. So I was the, hey, you want to yes. know what divorce is? I'll tell you what divorce is. There's no TV shows besides different strokes, but that's not divorce. The one that really connected to me was Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro movie. Oh my God, This uh, Boy's Life? Yes, This Boy's Life, yes. Yes, uh, Tobias Wolf. Yeah, because that was a different kind of thing going on there too. I'm writing a book right now. I've told stories on my podcast, but oh, you have a crazy life. And I've always done the funny version of that yeah. crazy yes. life. And then there's another side there too. This is Joyous yeah, Recollections yeah, of yes, Trauma. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. the name of the book? Joyful Recollections of Trauma. Going through it now, I'm asking a lot more of those questions because it is like, what was going through your mind? I think it's hard for my parents to answer that question. Yeah. Because I'd ask it to my dad, I'd ask it to my mom. What did you see? And like, well, I thought this, or I thought that, or yeah. I thought you had it under control. You realize everyone has a story that they tell themselves to make it right and to minimize it or to alleviate. Or make it seem unavoidable, hopefully. Yes. Yeah, inevitable. One of the things that I really have been thinking about, because it kind of escaped me for a while, is like this guy, this truck driver guy was rough all around. And my grandma saw this. She makes a big announcement. If this behavior continues, I'm not coming back. And of course, behavior continues. She's left. 
instead of being like, we're going to help you, she's yeah. like, I'm dangling. Don't you want me around? And the answer is definitively no. If I'm this man, <laughs> yeah. right. like, it means that you're not going to be around. But in her mind, she's like, I'm dangling the most important thing. You'll lose yeah. me. Yeah. It's not like, like I'll dealing with you. an addict. I yeah. can't be in your life if you're going to have this person around. But guess who but that affects? Exactly. Me. Yes. I guess now for me, when I look at my mom's journey through husband's it actually makes a ton of sense. She and my father got divorced and that was the love of her life. And that was a huge failure. She felt like a failure. She has these two kids by herself now. She's out on her own trying to make a living for the first time. Her self-esteem is zero. So my first stepdad is the worst one. He is the shittiest of all them. And she just needed somebody. And she felt like she wasn't worthy of anyone clearly beyond what this guy was. She gets her foot in the door at GM and she starts climbing the ladder at GM. And she's actually starting to gain some confidence right. and she buys her own home and she gets rid of the husband. And then the next guy, he's an engineer. I have my issues with him, but he's a step up. She leaves him. She then starts her own business. She builds our family house. By the time she meets my last stepdad, Barton, He's awesome. He respects her. He's a partner. He's along for right. the ride. He wants her to make decisions. All you really got to do is track her self-esteem. And then you just see the self-esteem of her partners match that perfectly. So your mother also was climbing this educational ladder yeah. in her own development. I should look at it a little bit closer like that because I think of it like this. Extreme course correction. Here oh, I am with this right. man. Yeah. I'm going to just put words in her mouth and I don't even know if I would attribute these things to my dad, but I was like, he's weak. Uh -huh. So I'm going to now go to somebody strong. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. you go, oh, that's too strong. Now I'm going to go and find <laughs> the middle it's ground. It's a Goldilocks situation. Exactly. That's the better way to say it. And I do think that you're right. There are other things at play, like wanting to get smart. But I also feel like once she got out of that relationship is when she started to, mm. like she got freed of it and then was open Blossomed. to go yeah. and study and find do and do. Thing. Maybe she figured out the answer was within herself and not yes. going to come from someone else. It was else. basically like someone was blocking a door yeah. for her self-worth. And then once she was able to get that out, then she was able to yeah. go. And again, I'm in this well, is a also, tricky and thing. And I think we'll agree. Now having kids, there's also enormous amount of compassion. I'm doing this with a partner. I have money. Mm -hmm. My sister's around. My mom was by herself. Not possible. You can't clean our house, cook our dinners, and also pay for everything and raise three kids. That's not possible. Whatever yes. happened... It far exceeds probably what I would have done in this situation. Right. And in the 80s, right? So she's a pariah. My mom yes. was a pariah in our neighborhood. I've gotten so much more respect for her and what she did in that time because it's a different world and she did a lot of stuff. She carried a lot of stuff on her back, the way that we got out of our situations. And I love that movie E.T. because in E.T., that's a single mom who's also struggling in a house with three boys her dad goes off. It's such a small subplot of E.T., but dad's in Mexico with a young girl and she's like dealing with it. And even the way that you treat your kids, like you're irritated. I try to keep everything together. And I'm getting irritated like with all the resources yeah. and knowing that in two hours, my wife will be home. Right. right. You know, and I still <laughs> can lose it. My wife and I did a thing where she was shooting a movie and it was during COVID where it was in Canada. So we couldn't fight back and forth. So she had the kids for 30 days and I had the kids for 30 oh, days. Wow. A whole different ball game. You know, we had help, but you have to be on top of it all. 
those little tastes of it, you're like, oh yeah. And with less resources, even without having a phone that you can check out on, I get why people are smoking. It's like, they just need to like step outside or like be like, just give me yes. a moment. I'm going to do this thing that you're not even allowed to be around. Yes. Oh my God. Single parents in COVID where the kids oh. had to be home. I don't understand. I don't understand. No, it's rough. So Kristen's gone away to do movies twice yeah. where I had the kids for a long time by myself. And I get a perverse joy out of there's no compromise my theories on parenting are now in play the experiment yes. starts and there's these obvious wins right out of the gates from my perspective which is like amazing how quickly these kids go to bed when i'm in charge amazing how this amazing how this right and then i start going they're suffering <laughs> they're suffering because they need this soft nurturing force it's like Germany. The house turned into Germany. Everything's running on time. It's clean. There's these three weeks of a high of like, look how great I am at this. And then the recognition that my kids' lives are so much better with her there, treating them sincerely and compassionately and nurturing them and taking every dumb thing I think is stupid very seriously right. and listening to them. And I'm like, no, no, it needs both of us. I agree. You realize where your deficits are when they're not there. And you realize where your strengths are too. And I think that on a given day, we are always balancing each other out. Yeah. Yeah. The thing that gets me and that makes me laugh so hard is we're just going away and we had to split into two cars. So I had four kids in my car because it was like our friend's kids as well. And I was riding with them. And then June was riding in the car with our two other friends. And as soon as we get in the car, she goes, okay, kids, and no iPads, door closed. Oh. And go, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, you, yeah, I'm like, and so she does that to me all the time. <laughs> She'll lay down a rule. She's like, and you guys can't watch any more TV today. See Bye. you tonight. I'm like, wait, no, you can't lay down the rule and then leave. Yeah. You got to enforce your own oh, rules. Or yes. I like, let me do that. That is her MO. That's hilarious. Oh, yeah. It makes me laugh so I'm like, God damn it. I think there is something about, <laughs> I was never as catered to as my kids are. My yeah. kids are going oh. to practices and lists and we're going here. I got off that bus. I hadn't seen another adult for like four hours. I'm uh, completely on my own. Yeah, that if you're four hungry, or five years old. You melt cheese on crackers and put it in the microwave, and that's <laughs> yes. what you're eating. Oh my gosh, it was the best. When you figured out how to make something, I was yeah. I remember I made pork chops. I oh. could make great pork chops. <laughs> wow. And I would always that's like get yes. pork chops. Because we were living in this two-bedroom apartment at one point, me and my mom. You know, and my mom was working crazy hours. So I gotta start making dinner. I learned a couple of good meals, and it was like, yeah. but I think that that gave me so much more confidence. They'd say this thing about like kids of parents are divorced, grow up quicker, but they also want to move out of the house quicker. I was ready to go. Yeah. I know how to do it. Yeah. I've done it. That's not a shock to me. I felt very fine to be on my own from 15 on. I already have a job and I'll move out. The first moment I got to move out, I was out the door and I could never, yeah. I could never understand why People were Friend, lingering. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> yeah. what are you doing? Why are you going home all this time? Yeah. I'm like, you're out, you're gone. Yeah. That's right. Go. But I get it. I get that that's a different <laughs> thing. What was your like- College, yeah. right, is when I moved out. But then I moved back. Okay. I moved back home after college for a year. My brother is about to be 27 and he still lives with my parents. That's becoming more and more of a thing. Yes. Well, it's very European. Yeah. You could actually see this progress. I was in Amsterdam one time. I stayed with this family and it was like a- four-story row house or something like that. And there were parents, kids, other tenants, and every night at dinner, everyone came down and met in the kitchen and then went back up and yeah. did their own thing. And I was like, there's something really awesome yeah, about that. Yeah, there is. Yeah. 
And now that I'm a parent, I don't ever want my kids oh, to leave. Yeah. Never. Never. I want to stay and hang. I know because it just goes by quick. When I'm home, I try to poke holes. I'm like, Neil, you got to move out. Yeah. It's time. And he's like, well, no, I know. But also I'm saving a lot of money. He comes downstairs. My mom's like, what do you want? A sandwich? And it's like, who's going to leave if that's yeah, happening? You basically have I a full move service in. staff. Yes. I mean, yeah. And then I asked my mom, mom, you got to not do that. And she's like, well. As it's not bothering at, her. And yeah. She likes having him As there. she's making you something. When I'm visiting. <laughs> only when I'm visiting. Every time I talk to Monica when she's home, like we'll do the show. She's there in this little closet. And you can hear her mother like yelling like, your eggs are ready. Like her mother is fucking working around the clock to make Monica She happen. likes it. <laughs> it's nice to be taken care of. It is. Oh, it feels so awesome. nice. I live by myself. That is yeah. the time where people yes. are taking care of me. I'm all for it. Yeah. I'm just saying you should maybe lighten up on Neil because he's getting the same star treatment. I know I'm treatment. just doing what you're saying where you're yeah. like, this seems wrong. <laughs> right. 27, yeah. that's not right. Let me try to get you out of here. But I guess it's working for them. Yeah. I know. And I guess, why do why? you have to get out? Like yeah. I don't know. It's you very know? arbitrary. And we could find out. We know all these weird developments that are unnatural. Us living in single family dwellings. That's a very weird thing. That's the last second of human history we've been doing that. We're not yeah. supposed to do that. We're supposed to live with like 40 other people. Not to keep on name dropping places I've been, but when I went to, <laughs> uh, you know, when I went to Africa, uh, we were in this village and it was this amazing experience because babies were just out and about babies yes. and it just felt like the babies were communal and then you think about single parents you think about parents in general just those first six months those first eight months you're alone in a house or an apartment and you're just trying to i don't know what i'm doing i'm like you know like, yes. it would be so much better to turn to someone who's done it three times and be yes. like oh can you hold instead of waiting for that one uncle or your mom to come in from a different state you're around the people that now miss babies you get yes. it up to here with it but like when i'm around babies now i'm like oh i want to hold that i jumped at the chance of changing a diaper the other day i was yeah. like sure it's like yeah i know how to do this i'm not subjected to a life of it that's what i love the about New York. New York was great because you would get out and see people. And not that they were helping me raise a child, but at least like Community. that. You were there with kids? I was not there with kids ever, but it's so much easier to be lonely in LA. Doors yeah. are closed. Apartment doors are closed. You're not bumping into people. You don't have to get on a subway. Just even being out and about. I love this area that we live in on the east side here because it's, I can walk to things and exactly. see people. And it's like, yeah. oh, I want community, being in community with each totally. other. And we seem to be like, how did you get more successful? You cut off more and more of community, yeah. which oh. makes you more out of touch too. Oh yeah, I had a moment. Yeah. It was a bit ago now, but it was the first time really since COVID started. And you got to remember for our kids that makes up like 35% oh, of their yeah. life. I took my younger daughter. I'm like, you want to go to In-N-Out? Like, let's take the Lincoln. Let's go up to In-N-Out. She's like, okay. We go there. Place is fucking packed. We're sharing a table with this father and daughter who are on a trip from New York City. And we're talking to them and there's people. And I'm like, this is so thrilling. Yeah. Like the amount of stimulation that other humans provide and yeah. just the fascination we have, or at least I do. I can watch people for hours just exist. I'm so fascinated by them. And the I didn't place, have it for a couple of years. The best place to do this, I mean, this is a very specific place, but if you go to Disneyland or Disney World, just plop your ass on a bench and enjoy. just <laughs> enjoy. The movie has started <laughs> and you can, there is so much going on. Oh, yeah. And you just stay in one spot and it is, whoa, that's yeah. interesting. Whoa, what's going Like, I'm just, I am engaged by it all. Also, we were just there and the movie is arcing like a real film as well. So the, you know, inciting incident, they're buying the tickets. Yeah. They've entered. There's this yes. exuberance. Everyone's happy. 
Come 2 p.m., all these kids who should be napping are fucked. Yeah, it starts smelling the, the, in the park because of, of the, the diaper. Yes. Like, the hours between 2 and 6 at Disneyland are insane. And then they course correct, and then there's, like, another wave of happiness. It's like the third act. Yes, I've pitched this idea to Disney Plus, and they're never going to do it, so I can pitch it here. I want to do... Disney World parking lot. You get there for the first cars in and you get them back Ooh. as they leave. Yeah. You know what it is? And it's the episode I listened to today of your show, Unspooled, Platoon. So Platoon starts yes, yes. with him arriving in See battle, fresh faced, and then he leaves and he's a fucking destroyed man. I just read this thing about Platoon the other day. Charlie Sheen was the original star of Born on the Fourth of July. And that's what he wanted, Born on the Fourth of July, to be the like part sequel. Two. Yeah. Oh. And then I, I don't know what the thing was. Because really, Born on the Fourth of July is the other version of Platoon. Well, yeah, it's coming home. It's yeah. like, here's them entering. Now here's what happens when they get back. Because it's like, you walk in and you're like, the world is our oyster. And then you waited online to get to a tram, to get to a thing, to get to your car. <laughs> yeah. And your average person there has just walked about seven times further than they've walked in the previous three years. And you're hot and Blue, eating the pickles. A couple thousand you, dollars, oh, you're in debt. Yes, money is flying <laughs> out. I bought like churros for my family. And it was like $150. I'm like, yeah. And all I got like four churros and like three waters. Yeah. I don't know what happened here, but I willingly, I'm not, I don't yeah. stop it. I don't yes. like, oh, this is where we're at. We're here to do it. Well, uh, if I could say one thing that is my favorite part of Disneyland, and we had gone with a guy that does a show on our network and he's from New Zealand. So he does not understand Disneyland. He doesn't understand Americans' fascination, right? So he's a skeptic. Right. And he does a whole episode about it. And at the end of it, I go, you didn't even go. He's like, oh, I don't really. And I go, you got, you we're go. going. You got, so we yeah. all went, right? And we're walking around. I said, David. If you ever stood in a place in your life where 60,000 people agreed to have the best day of their life, that's the magic of that yeah. place. That only exists there. Where 60,000 people arrive, and their attitude is we're going to have the best day of our life. There's some magic to that. I think that even more than Vegas, it's an equalizer because Vegas, there's risk, right? Like you can gamble, you yeah. can win, you can lose. But Disney, you've paid, you've won, you're in. Yeah. Yeah. And then I noticed it with the matching shirts yes, and all that the stuff. Shirts. The shirts. Not only are we going, we've planned for us. Yes. We're going as a unit. We're going to represent our family here. Yes, this is it. And it's a finish line almost as a family. Yeah, it yeah, really is. That's why is. we do this. Yeah, you see the most rough and tumble guy. Yes. Insane wearing the, looking, wearing, yeah. with the ears on. Yes, with the Mickey you know, Mouse Mickey sweater. Pratt face tattoos. And, like, and that's the one thing I do think, like, people can slight Disney, but it does bring together does. a giant subsect of people. There's a piece there. There's yeah. It doesn't exist at the riffraffier amusement parks? No, you're right. Now, you like go to Six, Six Flags. Flags yeah. yeah, I've seen many of gnarly fights. Oh, fights. You don't go there and fucking think you're going to sleep through the experience. No. You got to keep your eyes about Six you. Six Flags yeah. is like, you could get stabbed. Keep your wits <laughs> yeah, about yeah. you. Yeah, I hate to say it, it's a little classist, but no. you know the investment keeps... Everyone on point a little bit. They're like, fuck, we blew a shitload to be here. You got to come That's correct. an expensive fight. And you also will never be able to come back. So back in the day at UCB, which is a comedy theater out here that I used to perform at, we would interview people from the audience all the time, talk to them. And I was like, what's the most interesting thing about you? And this one guy's like, I got banned from Disney World. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what was it? And he's like, my friends dared me to jump off the riverboat uh, and Jungle uh, Cruise? That, no, it's like a bigger riverboat oh, that, like, oh, the paddle boat, the paddle boat, the big yeah. paddle boat. Oh. And I go, okay, what? He goes, well, we had to make it look 
like I fell. Accident. Sure, right. Sure. And so, Accident you know, and so he did, but he didn't cover his tracks well enough and they were <laughs> able to suss it out. <gasps> they were like, you didn't, you didn't fall. Oh, wow. You jumped. I think it may have been as dumb as like you left your shoes. On the, oh my god! Like they were down, they put him in Disney jail, and then he's been <laughs> banned. I'm like, well, have you tested the ban? And whether or not the ban is true, he's never tested it. But there is that thing you behave. Monica just nailed it. There's a pact. All the macho masculine energy has been yeah. checked at the door. You're already so emasculated by participating. Right, right. And you know what I'm saying? The you can't you be a hard ass. Cups, you can't be yeah. a hard ass. No, just by walking in, you go yeah. like, you can only be so big of a hard ass. You've come here. I, I mean, I was laughing so hard the other day, and I have nothing bad to say about this show because I haven't seen it, but the poster made me laugh. It's a new detective show, I guess, on ABC. I think it's called like Will Graham or Will Clark. Yeah, Will Trent. Will Trent, that's it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, he looks cool. He has this cool sure. car, but then in his hand, he's got this little tiny dog. And I'm like, he's cool, but he's not that cool. He's got this little baby dog. Don't worry about it. You'll still like him. He's got a baby dog. He's super masculine. He's super awesome, but he yeah. got a baby. So like, I'm not intimidated by you. You're not yes. threatening to me. And I like, wonder if that was the messages. fourth or fifth iteration of that poster. I wonder if the first one sheets, he didn't have the dog. And they were right. like, he's yeah. scary. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know, man. Will Trent, I don't know if I want to like, You don't want Kojak. Guy. You don't want like Kelly Savalas. Like, that guy looks yeah. like a tough ass. Like, no, no, yeah. I got a little dog. He's going to be fine. He's going to be, but I do think you're right. That idea of there's not many places where you leave you, your armor at the door. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can be a kid in yeah. a way. And that's You're admitting it. you like this. Can I tell yes. you the, the worst thing I've seen where my kid loves like Ninja Warrior and he wanted to do like this trampoline place, Sky High or whatever, yeah, you yeah. know, yep. you just did a lot of trampolines. Sky Zone. Sky Zone, that's what it is, mm-hmm. right? And he was running up the warped wall. My son also was like, I want a warp wall for Christmas. I'm like, <laughs> we're not. And my wife says like, oh yeah, maybe that's okay. I'm like, no, no, what do you mean? That's not a good idea. And I like Google it. And the first thing that comes up is like Achilles Ripper. I'm yeah. like, no, I'm like, you don't need it. Cause I was like, what do you do? Like, we'll go and you can run it up. But if that's in the backyard, you are going to get hurt. Yeah. At a certain point. Well, beyond that, it won't be fun. Not you go to special. someone's house, they have a trampoline. It's the most amazing thing. You get one, you ride it five times. The novelty is half the appeal. Exactly. Yeah. And so my kid is trying to run up the thing, run up the thing. He's small. He can't get to the top. But this kid runs up there, gets up, and then he's there, but now it's so high. Yeah, what does he that do? He's freaked he out. Yeah. And so we're all around him Isn't trying to help him. Isn't that a metaphor for life? A bad one? Oh, yeah, that you get to the place you want to reach, uh, and then it's a scary. Yeah, like, scared. Yeah. So he's up there, and to get down, you have to like kind of put your hands around a fireman's pole, and you slide down, right? Fun, the, okay. The easy, easy way to go. Didn't know how a fireman's pole worked. But no one like, can get up there to help him, because you can't run yeah. up that wall. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And then <laughs> yeah. if I got up there, what yeah. would I do? Like, strap him on to me? And, like, <laughs> Hold on to my shoulders. Yeah. So we're like, you can come down with your feet. We'll kind of help you. We're yeah. trying to figure out a way because he's stuck. And the attendant comes over and you can see the attendant has dealt with this a million times. He shakes his head, turns to us and goes, all right, everybody, take out your phones and make a TikTok of this kid and tell him he's a pussy for being on top oh. of this thing. No. <laughs> In LA, it's modern LA. day. Yeah. This is like three weeks ago. Oh my God. And so that got that kid down. No, did it. He shamed him right off there. Shamed him oh, off wow. the Powerful. post. Desperate times call for desperate. <laughs> he might have saved that kid's life by emasculating oh him. Stay tuned for more Armchair Expert, if you dare. Okay, we must, because that's why you're here, in essence, talk about Unspooled. Before we do that, I just want to say, Don Cheadle, the greatest guy of all time? Oh, my gosh. I did the show with him called Black Monday. 
Three seasons, right? Three seasons of Black yeah. Monday. And I grew up loving Don Cheadle. I like that guy. I like the guy from Out of Sight. He's yeah. a guy in traffic. Oh, like he just had all sight. these like great supporting parts. And I was like, oh, Don Cheadle's gonna be in the show. And then I knew the creators of the show and they're like, well, everyone's got to read with Don. Were you nervous at this point? Oh, frightened. I knew what I wanted to do ish but he's a legend he's a legend and part of casting too is like and when you're in that point it's like this guy seems okay there's an energy like i like him or i don't like you you don't want to blow it in the hang i guess maybe you wouldn't care because you've done so many things there's two things i really admire about you one i'm really jealous of but you're so prolific you're so fucking busy what it is is when you like somebody like a Don Cheadle. I was going to say, I would maybe get obsessed about the hang. Yes. Because I'd be like, don't walk in there fucking 3,000 jokes in the first 60 right. seconds. Relax a little. I might have to coach myself into that. I remember I was with Mike Schur. We love you know, Mike. Mike. the best, yes. right? And so Mike was meeting people before Parks and Rec. There might be three shows. He was kind of considering three premises. Mm -hmm. And he was like, let me meet people. And as I find people, I'll gravitate to the premise that I like the most. It was a very cool thing. And so part of that time we met was just hanging. Yes. And he said to me, I always remember, he's like, when you're hiring somebody, especially being a writer's room, that's all I'm looking for. Because you're already here because I like your writing. Right. Yes. So it's like, can I be with you in a room for 12 hours a day? Because that's more than even on set. In a writer's room, you are up in people's faces. And so I always think about that part of it. I am going to be working on a TV show. Like, I'm getting married to these people. I am like working. You're joining their family. Yeah. You know, that room was Seth Rogen. Evan Goldberg, Ooh. Don Cheadle, oh David Casp, and Jordan Cahan, who created the show. I also believe once you're on the other side, you know that you want everyone to succeed. But I also like the part. I like like the part. Yeah. I wanted to get it. Yeah. I remember when I did the sketch show called Human Giant. Me and Aziz Ansari, Jason Wolner, who directed Borat and did the show Paul Goldman and Rob Hubel. So like we were all together. We were casting parts left and right because it's a sketch show. You're just piling yeah. through and you just almost from the first moment you see like that's person there's not like a talent level there's probably a prerequisite talent that got them there right which is what you're saying about the writing like mike already knows you're a good writer at this point it's did you hit this one thing i envisioned in my mind i saw this and that clicked i remember that i auditioned for snl a handful of times you did yeah and it was a tremendously fun experience like it was everything you wanted it to be did you ever i never got to oh my gosh you would have been great for that so like, yeah you, you it, still could be great first of all thank you so much yeah but you audition on that center stage where the host does that's the where mod. your audition is lights off cameras on oh and oh, oh, oh. more than that monitors on mm. oh so you are oh, 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 oh. you are on that stage fully lit in makeup, and here's the other mind fuck of it. When you're in the waiting room or the dressing rooms, because they put you in SNL cast member dressing rooms, if you turn on the TV, you can watch everybody's audition. Oh my no. God. It's being broadcast that's a nightmare. through NBC. Oh, so while you're rough. waiting for oh. hours, so the first year I auditioned, it was the best. The hallway I was in was Amy Poehler, oh, Kevin Hart, oh. Seth Meyers, and, oh and like God. it was me. That was the first Good time. Good crop, we'd say that year. Huge, right? <laughs> and so you sit there and you get on stage. And then I remember like Lauren Michaels comes up to me. And this is the first time I've ever met him. He comes out of the shadows, like out of the dark. Because they're in a table in the back and there's small lights there. And he's like, do you need anything? What can I get you? And... I may have said like, oh, is there a table? Is it, can we get Paul a table? Like all of a sudden oh I was like, like uh, why isn't there a table? Why are oh. we fucking over this guy? Oh. Super lovely. And then he leaves. 
And then the director or AD comes up to you to say, okay, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna count you in. You're gonna see your slate. Oh. And then you're gonna go. Oh my so God, it this is would be too much for me. I'm, I mean, yeah. my heart rate's at one. Yeah. So you are like, so they put you in a very pressurized situation, and then you're doing something that even the funniest version is gonna be mediocre best. It's like three characters, three impressions. Yeah, I, the truth is, most of your favorite sketches involve at least two people. Yeah, so, and, exactly. and why? Because that's how comedy works. And yeah. when you think about the great people like Lily Tomlin or John Leguizamo do these amazing one-person shows, yeah. those characters work in length. So like you're like, I'm watching one character for 15 minutes and yes. then all of a sudden you pull me and I'm like, whoa. So whatever, you do the thing. For what you wanted and hoped to do yes. there versus what you did, what would you give it out of 10? I left there incredibly fulfilled. One oh, like, Yes. That's all you can really want in yes. life, right? I felt like I did my thing. They were very nice to me. I got my laughs. And I left and then I didn't hear anything. You have to sign a contract before you go in there. Yes. That signs it. And you see all that money that you don't have, yeah. that you might have. <laughs> you know, my life is going to change. And you can't help but think that. And then you don't hear anything. And then I didn't get it that year. And then I got called back like three more years subsequently in different weird auditions each time. Like not the same as that. Yeah. But it was like, oh, now we're going to do it like this. Now we're going to do it like this. We're going to do an improv show. Because I've heard people auditioning in comedy clubs oh, yeah. for mm -hmm. the show, right? Oh, yeah. That happens I, as well. The best one that I saw, I was not in the running at this point. I went to go support my friend. My friend goes on, does a great job. And then all of a sudden, you hear like a little bustle, bustle, bustle. Chris Rock comes in, jumps on stage, and then starts running his like VMA monologue. He's just going from comedy club to comedy club to oh. run his stuff for this. Oh but God. then in the middle of it, he goes, wait a second, is this an SNL audition? And he goes, hey, Lauren, it's talking to everybody. Oh like, and then, <laughs> and then crushes in a way that you can never crush. It's A, the audience is like, holy shit, Chris Rock. Then he's doing bits that are so topical, stuff they'll never do on the show. Yeah. This the is roof, so unfair. The roof is blown off and then he jets. And it's like, okay, next person up um, oh, from Chicago. Oh, uh, like, oh, and then they have to do three characters oh, and three impressions no. and you can't fucking no. follow Chris Rock. I was like, oh, thank God I'm not auditioning this year. <laughs> thank is, God. That's cruel. That's That is bad. insane. Years later, six or seven years ago, I found out what happened that first year. I was talking to somebody and they're like, oh, I remember that because it was down to you and somebody else, you know, and Lorne was having dinner and they, he was talking about what he wanted to order. He's like, well, let's get that steak and that wine and let's hire that person. And that was it. They weren't talking about. It wasn't a debate. It, it wasn't like, yeah. let's look through tape. Part of an order. It was just part of an order. And that's the way he kind of works. And there was something really freeing about that because you think, oh, maybe if I didn't do yes. that thing, that was the reason. It's like, no, it's fickle. And that's our exactly. business is fickle. Yeah. My thing with you yeah. behind the curtain yeah. was I was becoming friends with Arnett because we did this movie, Let's Go to Prison. And I'm starting to hang out with he and Amy. And I'm obsessed with Amy yeah. as all humans are. And Will goes and does this show, Human Giant. And he's like, these are the most brilliant guys. And I just remember thinking like, oh God, I'm not cool anymore. Like, this is the thing here. These guys are geniuses. Will wants to work with them. I just remember thinking like, oh God, I'm missing the train here. Oh, you see, but I remember, you know, when you were on Punked and it was like, but he's like the really funny guy. We never know what anyone. You know, it's like, and, and then look, and that's the whole thing. It's like, you don't know. And going all the way back to Cheadle, he wants to be cool too. Like he wants yes, to be like, he exactly. wants to be. And he wants to be funny. He does snow pants. He does Ben's show because yeah. of the same thing. thing he doesn't like, care about being Clooney level great actor. He is that. 
Yes. It's known. So he, he's like attracted to comedians. This is a fun place to play around. And I also think he's just, there's something really nice about a bunch of people who grind. Like we all grind, like you work. And once you work and you don't have that rare air where it's like, everything has been great for me and it's never been a downhill. And that grind also makes you appreciative of every job and appreciative of everybody and makes you hang. It also makes you not smell your own shit when it's working. Cause you're like, yeah, okay. Yeah. It's working, it, yeah. but this is very temporary. Well, I in know. a weird way, you know it's going to end. It's yeah. like, oh, yeah, exactly. it's going to end. Yeah, it's like, how do I <laughs> land gracefully? I'm going to fall. I, yes. I am in the air and I'm, gla- I'm heading uh-huh. to the ground. I wanted to ask you a question. I'm jumping backwards to something that you said. When you and Arnett did that movie together, I just read Odenkirk's book recently. Did you have Odenkirk on? For- I did. Okay. I don't want to misquote it. No, no, but, no. You know, but it was, yeah, I should have tried harder on that one. I just was kind of distracted and I felt like, you know, the rewrite could have been better, but I could have been better too. I, I think there was something there and I missed it. It was very honest. Yeah. yeah but I yeah. was like, wow, if you read that. Going into interviewing him, I had read that. He basically was calling a mulligan on the movie. Yeah, it was like, and that's a hard <laughs> thing for the director. interesting thing is like, at one time I admire it, but it didn't seem to have the accompanying regret. Yes. You know, it's almost yeah. like, oops. It was like, ah, I went to dinner and I ordered the veal. I don't, I realize I don't like veal, but yeah, yeah, I, I went home and had pizza. Yeah. yeah. So it was like, it was, <laughs> I, I knew better. That's another one of those things. It's like, I met Arnett. Yeah. I met Keckner. I got these friendships. We had an outrageous time. We were making $5 a week. We lived in a normal, suburban, low rent condominium complex not even apartment complex with like neighbors beating the shit out of each other and it was wild i love it in retrospect it's like it's great of course i had different hopes for the whole thing as you do of course but reading that my heart sunk (laughs) in hearing it because it's like because there's something about a director you go down with the ship you have to be sully sullenberger and i think there's a lot of responsibility to it a reason why as i get older I really consider projects. Do I want to devote this much time? Am I committed to this? Do I really love this? Yes. Is the project itself going to give me enough value that in failure, I won't regret it? That's what becomes a part of the analysis for me. Is like, well, I got to imagine this completely fails. Now, am I still happy I did it? Well, I think the thing is, can you fail with something good? Idiocracy is a perfect example. Right. That is a box office failure, yep. but is probably what made people connect to you. So it's like, I did a good job. It was a good job. It was directed well. It may not have hit its targets. I think that's the tricky thing is not to do it in a half-assed way. Can I do this the right way? Do I believe in it? Because I think a money gig or something that seems easy, it takes just as much effort to make something good as it does bad. You can't shit anything out. Everything takes time and energy and effort. And Bob has been behind so many of those things that are giant successes. Seminal for me too. Mr. Show, that was what? Even Ben Stiller's show. It's an interesting thing to hear somebody go like, nah. But that also is very much Bob, too. Like, yeah, Bob yeah. kind of has like a, meh. Yeah. It's kind of worth aspiring to. Yeah. You know, yeah. it seems very liberating and free. I don't know. This is where I've been wrestling with a lot of stuff, too. It's like, you cede control to someone else. I think this is why so many people have jumped into podcasting recently. I have some control. I get to know what gets edited. You know, people can't misinterpret me. I grew up listening to Howard Stern, and I feel those interviews are always so amazing because I'm here. You can't edit this. You can't cut this down for TV time. You can't go to a commercial. And that's a tricky thing, too. It's like, do I trust this person to basically take me and present me in the best way? And I would argue the stakes are highest in comedy. 
hundred percent. Yeah, because there's so many great tricks in drama, and yeah. they can only fuck you over so many ways. But they can really fuck up. No one ever a says. People will tell you all the time that was not funny. That comedy was not good. No one ever says that about a drama. No one ever is like, nah, you know. It wasn't like, dramatic. Yeah, it wasn't dramatic enough. Like people make, <laughs> yeah. like, I didn't like it. That's the most, but people are angry about comedies. Like you yes. betrayed me. I do want to say for anyone, most people probably, who only know you from TV, I worked at UCB, I interned there. Yeah. I was a huge member of that cult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you are a legend there. Oh, that's really nice to hear. Well, you were you doing Facebook while you were there? Facebook, yep. Oh, wow. I went so nice all to the hear. time, Wednesday nights. Los Angeles yeah. Magazine, best show uh, of the year. It's an incredible show. Covered oh, on Good Morning so America. Yeah, we were there. Look at this. No, but that's I, really nice to hear. It's oh. important for people to know that because I think when we had Manzuka on, I said the same thing. Sometimes I feel there's an injustice with people who I've seen live in person doing improv. Eugene Cordero, oh, I bring yeah. him up all the time. You guys are so funny when you're doing something scripted, but it's so different to see the magic of like- Somebody said to me one time, I think it may have been Amy Poehler. She said, the funniest your friend is on stage, like improvising with, they will never be able to show that in TV or film. Never. Like you will never get to that level. You can get close, but there is something very different. I don't know if it's about being live. I saw Robin Williams once perform- and this is like later Robin Williams. He actually even did an improv show with me, but I saw him do stand-up one time live. And it was one of the funniest, yeah. any special, anything you just can't, capture can't. it. There is something yes. intangible there. And then also, especially with improv, when the wheels are off or anything goes yeah. and you're in there, it's like a dream. You can't explain a dream. You can't explain a good improv show. It's like, exactly. it's a communal moment. It's oh, so yeah. special. Well, the, there's yeah. a high degree of failure. Yeah. And I've even said when I've seen them try to film improv and put it on TV, I've seen it four or five times. It never really works for me. And it's because we know we have muscle memory. If it made it on TV, it didn't fail. There's some weird, like immediately the stakes are gone. Improv shows, I think, work a little bit as like peaks and valleys. You're watching something great and then maybe it gets a little quiet yeah. for a little bit and then it goes back up and then, you know, there yes. is a flow. That doesn't work on TV right? because it's like, well, this is not funny. Why yeah. is this on TV? But yeah. when you're in the theater and you're in the seats, it it's is. like an album that came together really well, beautifully. It's like, yeah. together, yeah. Someone said once, watching improv is like watching someone climb a ladder that's tilted. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. So you're like, ah, you yeah. know, you're on edge. It yeah. starts tipping. Yeah. You're like, oh God. But then they make it to the top and then you're so happy. Yeah. Anyway. That means a lot. I always try to tell people I like their stuff. We don't reach out enough to people to be like, that was good. That was fun. We forget that part of it, I think. Or even like. I just saw my friend in a movie and she was amazing. I was like, I'm going to send her a text. But you forget like, oh, well, they don't need to hear from me. They know well, they're right. You yeah, your shadow yeah. tells you I'm not relevant enough that they'll care yeah. or they'll think I'm saying this or I'm placating them. Yeah. All these doubts you have instead of just, just the thing. spreading some love and cheer. And somebody said to me the other day, is that weird? I'm like, no one will ever begrudge a compliment. Like, yeah. Yeah. like you know, no yeah. one's yeah. like yeah. upset about yeah. it. The worst, it's like, oh, that was nice. And you may forget about it and you have nothing else to say for it. But yeah. we all need no, that dopamine there are people hit. who, as interns and working the front desk and stuff, that you're excited when they come in the door. And you were definitely one of those people oh, where it's like, ah, oh, like, Paul's here. Like, <laughs> it's exciting. But, it's, but I also think it's interesting, too, because I worked in that spot at UCB when I was first there. And I saw people I was so excited, like, oh, my God, Adam McKay's improvising or Tina Fey is improvising. Yes. And this is before Tina Fey is Tina Fey. It's like, exactly. she's a writer on SNL. I just like this writer. It's exciting to be around. And, it's, and because you're in that position, 
you get to see a lot more a than lot. people realize that you get to yeah. see too. No, yeah. That was a great thing to bring up because there's something I'm quite jealous of of you. And particularly when I'm going through your history from 18 till now, what I'm super jealous of is, I don't know if I should blame the structure of the Growlings. It's probably my own failing. But the way Growlings worked is like, I was there for years trying to get in the Sunday company. You're going through classes and yeah. I have all these friends. And it's like the highlight of my performing life was that. And then getting in the Sunday company and being in it for a year and just the greatest year ever. And then getting kicked out, not getting brought to the main yeah. stage. It all ended there for me. I didn't figure out how to stay involved. The fact that you always stayed involved in 2006, you moved to LA, you immediately land there. Then you start doing Facebook and you'd already done all this stuff in New York. That part I'm just deeply jealous well, of. That's not your fault though, because I don't think that the Groundlings is structured in a way to keep you involved. Yeah. Every time I hear about the Groundlings, I'm hearing about people waiting for years to get to one place and Sorry. the next place. Then there's a main company and there's people who won't leave and you can't get in. And it just feels like it's very locked. And the best yes. part about UCB was, UCB at its core was a theater that did three shows a night, seven days a week. Every show was different yeah. and every group could pop into their own thing. And there was a community there of people you have your own improv group. And so one of the reasons I moved out to LA was the UCB opened up out here. If we bring some of our people, like we've all kind of yeah. got to a point in our career where maybe that's a good move. We could see what Keep happens out it. here. Yeah. 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 And we had a home. You know, now that UCB is sold and it's changing, whatever that becomes is going to be interesting. I think it's trying to figure out what it is. Yeah, it's not. You know, a, Jimmy left. Yes. He just left. I know. UCB was sold? Jimmy, Jimmy ran the booth okay. for... Ever. ever, literally forever. And he's an institution there. And he just DM'd me like last yeah, week and was like, left. I'm leaving. It's like, oh God. I know the end of like, that's the longest thing. And then Jimmy Miller bought it. Oh, he did? Yes. So now Jimmy Miller owns Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. So Jimmy Miller owns the UCB. Oh, wow. With this guy, Mike Metavoy, who ran The Onion. And so they're the two front men. And I think this other giant conglomerate. It's an interesting thing. Look, I painted the walls at UCB. Yeah. You know, I was like, yeah. I work, you know, I worked well, the booth. Uh, yeah, we did. A, and uh, that was one yes. of the hardest things with COVID is like, oh, because I'm not going out, like I'm married, I got kids. I'm not going out to like hang out with my friends at bars, but I can go and do an improv exactly. show once a week, see all my friends, have oh. a great time. And now we do it at Largo and I'm doing a show tonight with Bob Odenkirk. But it does take a little bit of effort to find. And like, I run my show. I book it and I'll yeah. get everybody in there yeah. because I want to do it. I want to have fun. But that's the culture. The culture of the Groundlings does not allow that. Yeah. No. You know, I would also argue that from what I understand, Groundlings is much more of a solo sport to a certain extent. Like mm -hmm. you have your great character and we are doing a great show of great performers. Everybody has come out of there, have these great careers. It's a groomed for Hollywood. Yeah. Whereas UCB, you could deal with people who never perform, don't want to perform, but just like to improvise. You it's have so a, scrappy. Yeah, it takes all. And there's something interesting there. And look, if I was in LA, I would have probably gone to the Groundlings. Yeah, well, A, there wasn't a UCB. And then B, Will Ferrell had just left this place, the Groundlings, yeah. to go to Saturday Night Live. And he's the best person on Saturday Night Live. And Sherry Terry is also from there. Yeah. And Bill Harmon is from there. And so, you know, so I'm going, well, this is obvious. But the rate at which you could get in there and stay there and do that thing we're talking about, like make it your life where you get to do yeah. shows all the time. You're right. It's just not set up for that. I would imagine at some level you get on punk, you're getting this 
success and people are like he's from the groundlings but yeah. underneath it you're like fuck the groundlings because i didn't get into sunday company you know yeah, i didn't yeah, get yeah, into yeah. Uh, the, the main, main company well i was both trying to claim it for right. validity right <laughs> just to act like i deserve to be yeah. anywhere i was at and also rejecting it at any right. point and not wanting to give them any attention because i didn't get in they didn't give the me credit. that thing. yeah, yeah. Yes. and then yet they get to put your name on a poster to say all of our I mean, amazing he has a version of that too they have the herald teams and the mod yes. team. same thing. i mean i auditioned for herald three times and never made it and same thing you claim it but you're also like well i wasn't good enough but also <laughs> there there was an indie scene yes. that developed where then you had your own groups you're making and then doing shows all over right. the city and everything you don't need the validation of ucb and in a weird yeah. way too it's like and look i think that they did a there are some things and i wasn't involved in this part of ucb but structural issues where they i think could have been more open and change some stuff. The rooting of that theater in the Herald form. Yeah. No one wants to see a Herald. Her I exactly. Think, it's the worst the night worst, of the week. Yeah. The worst night of the week. And it's like, you got to do that to then go off and do your own thing. But it's yeah. also weird that we've based how good you are at the Herald exactly. to get on a thing to then get to the next level. Where you're not it's, even doing that anymore. Yeah. It's yeah. like learn how to rock climb and then you get into the NBA. It's like, okay. <laughs> it's like, I, yeah, I, I am using my hands and feet. So I guess it's the same thing, but not the same way. Every institution has a power thing, and there's a thing like, fuck this power. Yes, 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 yes. And I remember when the UCB reopened here in LA, I had a real, like, I'm doing my show at Largo with my friends. I'm having a great time. And the UCB reopened their grand opening night, and I was not invited to perform. And they had like 100 performers performing for the oh. opening night. And I'm like, That's man, I yeah. literally I like launched that. both. I was at like the opening nights of both theaters. Yeah. And then when you feel that, there's that moment where you're like, oh, did anything ever matter? Right. Right? Yeah. Like, I am, am I just like another page? And then I don't even know what I want. Like I might even have said, oh, I can't do it or I'm busy. Or, yeah. sure, sure. But I just you know wanted to be too. asked. You can't put everybody on stage that you want to put on stage. And I get that too. There yeah, but the OGs, I mean, come on. The thing that I miss though, is just there's something so special about that green room. Yes. Mm. With all these guys and girls that I've been with for years, the way the sense of humor just keeps twisting and twisting and twisting. The little bubble you're in is so fulfilling. That's that the only thing that has kept me sane in the highs and lows of my career. Show gets picked up, you don't get an audition, you have a shitty day, you go there and you perform and it's like, oh, It cleanses yeah. everything. Cleanses, there's so few things in life yes. where you Truly. Yeah. So okay. <laughs> now yeah. we're gonna have to do this. I'm insisting on it. Unspooled's fantastic. I started with Citizen Kane, but then I was like, I shouldn't listen to the first one. I'm gonna drop in a little later. Yeah. And then I listened to Platoon. And first of all, for people who most certainly have listened to How Did This Get Made, which is amazing. The fact that you guys have been doing it for 10 years is so, so radical. Yeah, it's so crazy. Isn't it? I think it's almost 13 now. And we started doing it when no one knew what a podcast was. Yeah. So it's like, let's have fun. And we like watching bad movies. Let's like watch a bad movie and like have fun. Yes, and that's hugely successful. But Unspooled's much more academic. It's much yes. more, quote, serious. Amy Nichols is your partner on it. Nicholson, I'm sorry. Yeah, she reviews for New York Times. It all started out of this idea of, I haven't watched some of these great movies. The like AFI the 100. The AF, AFI 100 is where we started. I saw a few. I haven't seen them all. It was so great to start having these conversations with Amy where it was like, let's like get into it. What does it mirror in the world? And it's been a great treat to like watch a great movie. Sometimes you'll be like, oh, I liked it. I didn't like it. It's incredibly well produced. It's a well-constructed show. Oh, thanks. You're learning about Platoon. You're doing interviews. The interview in that is so wild. What I like about it is Everyone has their book clubs. There's like a movie club. And when you 
hear people's point of view. Like that guy, he trained all these actors. He was a former Marine who trained actors to then be, you know, in these situations. And now he's made a huge career of it. So for 30 years, he's been now, even to the point of the parody. Yeah, the, yeah, he, yeah Tropic Thunder. Yeah. Wow. Yes, he went and boot camped oh, those wow. guys. Even. Yes. It reminded me that I used to love and worship film. Yes. It brought me back in a very fun, nostalgic way. I'm so happy to hear that. We just did the Sight and Sound List, which is the British compilation of the best films voted on by critics. The number one film, it used to be Citizen Kane, then it became Vertigo. Oh. And then this year it became this movie called John Dealman. John Dealman is a three hour and 21 minute oh movie that takes place pretty much in like one apartment. And it's all about this single mother. Is it, it French? It's is it? Belgian. She's also a prostitute. She's a single mom. She's taking care of her son. And it was a chore to watch a three <laughs> sure. and a half. Yeah. But it was one of those things where I'm so glad I was forced to watch it. Once you get in, you're like, Oh, oh, but if I didn't put in the hour and 20, because yeah. I can get really lazy and be like, oh, I want to watch Bullet Train. But then to go back and challenge yourself. And what I like about it is then having that conversation with Amy because I can process it and then enjoy it. And the thing I get so angry about as a dad is all these movies my kids watch, they're just weak. My kids love like Home Alone. You couldn't release that movie now. I remember even in the new Home Alone, it's like, well, the burglars have to be nice guys. It's uh, like, well, why? Uh, yeah. Why? Yeah, Can't said we just, who? There's no danger in it. I showed my kids E.T. We talked about it on the podcast and my kids cried. And, uh, and I was like, oh, wow, they experienced they emotion. Something. And I interviewed David Lowry. He did Green Knight. He did a bunch of great movies. And we we're talking about this idea of that's where we learned our emotion from these movies that were complex. Yeah. Mm -hmm. E.T. is complex. It also is an alien running around. I showed Goonies to my kids. You know, they're trying to put a kid's hand into a blender. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. And it's sure, like, sure. They would never do that now. And my yeah. kids are like, oh my God. Even like, Indiana Jones, I show my kid yeah. Indiana Jones and I keep remembering a scene's approach. I'm like, oh, that's right. This guy's head's about to get blasted yeah. by the propeller of an airplane and blood's going to spatter all over. Totally forgot that was there. Yeah. Yeah, the only new movie I've seen and I was so grateful for it. I wonder how you feel about it. Yeah. My nine-year-old, my oldest daughter, I took her to Top Gun, IMAX. Oh, the fucking best. The best movie made so in the last good. decade. The, I mean, to see it, IMAX there. Yeah, it was made like Chinese. She went to a zone. We've watched hundreds of movies together. Yeah. She left the theater and she was like rattling. And she goes, I, I want to do that or or. Or I want to know how to make that. Yeah. And I was like, here we go, sister. Like, that's how I felt leaving the movie all the time as a kid. We did a little mini episode of Top Gun because we liked it so much. The best thing about Top Gun Maverick is in every one of these franchises, like, here's the old guy passing the torch to the new people. And Tom Cruise passes the torch to himself. He's like, I'm out of the biz. All right, fuck it. I'll take it. I'm better than all of you. Yes. And he is. He's great. You watch it. You're like, fuck yeah. I'm first in line to see those Mission Impossible movies oh, on a motorcycle oh, that jumping. He just did. Okay, we went and saw Avatar, yeah. the new one. And they show as one of the trailers him doing that stunt. Yeah. He rides a dirt bike down a like 300 foot ramp that by the end of it, the ramp's probably 80 feet in the air. He jumps off of a cliff. Oh my God. And then mid air, he ditches the motorcycle. Ah. He sails for a while. A That's while. the impressive yes. part. He's like, I would have pulled that fucking shoot right when I got off the ramp. He's in the air, Monica, for like seven seconds ah. in a suit. Pulls the parachute. It's him. Yeah. I looked at my nine-year-old and I said, 
you will never see this again. That, this is so important. That's how I feel about those Mission Impossible movies. Because in the last one, he jumped from like above the atmosphere <laughs> out of an airplane. Like, like Now you have to remember, yes, he's jumping, but they have to also train a cameraman yeah, exactly. to do it and pull focus. And I say this not to be a dick, but I hope he dies doing one of these things because it's like, because I feel like that would be his legacy. Like, no, I don't want him to do it. I don't want him to he die. He would love it Because I think that that's what, like, the best thing you can get on iTunes or the DVDs are all the special making of stuff on Mission Impossible because they show a lot of his training. And it's like, oh. jump 97, jump 98. Oh my and it's God. like, these are not even the ones that they're filming. This is just that's him what's going. And there is one thing that they're doing in this new Mission Impossible. They could only shoot it for two hours. They have two hour window, but only one <sighs> chance to get it. I'll tell you the story. It's out of school, but I think it's fine to tell. My friend was on Top Gun, Maverick, and Tom grabs one of the camera guys. Cameras are out and everything is like, so he goes, get this. Runs to a plane, gets in the plane, <laughs> flies no. into the sunset. <laughs> And that is in the movie. It is in the movie. And then he flew that plane apparently to LA, did a vent and flew back that night. So like to me, like, and I heard him on this podcast. There's a podcast called Light the Fuse. He did a podcast? Yes. It is a podcast called Light the Fuse and it's only about Mission Impossible. And and so on their 100th episode, Macquarie and him come on and you hear him dissect film. And it was talking about character arcs and where he goes, what he is thinking about is so layered. Him and Macquarie, like, well, it's like that thing from Ordinary People. He's talking about Ordinary People and its effect on Top Gun. He sees that and he's like, well, that's what I need to create here. He talks about this thing where the end of the movie of Maverick was not working. Whatever it was, it was testing badly. Mm. And Tom Cruise goes into the edit bay and I think Macquarie is telling the story and he goes, Tom goes like this. Okay, take out the music. And hums a score. No. And then they score to his humming. No. And then the movie works. They didn't change a frame. It's just like he knew how to score it differently. But also, I like that though, because it shows us more than just charisma, it's real energy. Talk about a guy with the 10,000 hours. Yeah, exactly. And it's like he does 10,000 hours for every role that he plays. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, I'm gonna become an expert at doing this one thing that I'll never do again. It's yes. not like, it's not like, oh, I do the jump of the motorcycle off the canyon in every movie. He's doing a movie in space. That's the next movie he's doing in space. Wait, really? Yeah, him and Macquarie <laughs> no. are doing a movie in oh outer space. Of course, that is like, oh. yeah. Well, Paul, this has been so wonderful. So I knew it would be. be. I adore you and everything you do you is so fucking you, so. good and heartfelt and wonderful. And I want everyone to check out Unspooled. It'll reignite your love for movies. And in fact, I was like, A, I'm watching Platoon tonight. Oh, awesome. My wife goes to bed. And then I also wanted to extend to you, it would be a great device to get me to watch more movies. Yeah. I have a really beautiful screening room in the basement. Oh my gosh. So if you ever need yeah. to watch a movie or when you need to yeah. watch movies, you know, like I'll just drop you, me a yeah. line and I would love to watch some oh, with man, you. Oh man, that would be fun, Because it would yeah. be a good incentive for me to yeah. go back in there. I love it, yeah, we'll find a good movie. Yeah, be I'm not like hungry to recapture my obsession with movies. There's before the curtain and after, right? Yeah. And I almost need to go back before I knew. I'm sure you had this experience. I was young when I saw Raising Arizona. Oh yeah. And I was like, there's something so wild about this movie. 
I need to understand it. Why does this movie look the way it does? That whole sequence where he goes through the windshield of the pickup truck and then you run through the house and then later find out, oh, the whole thing shot on a 17, it's handheld. Like I find out, but that movie woke me up to like something happened visually here. Something happened mechanically that made this movie so insane. And I was so curious yeah. and had to know. And then there's the phase where you actually know. So there's loss of innocence. Like, you know right. why it looks like it does, which is not as fun. But I also think it's like when then you find these new people who do something so interesting, like the Daniels who directed Everywhere, Everything, All oh. at Once. Oh my God. Those yeah. guys directed some NTSF episodes and it was very, really oh, interesting wow. because I had met them as music video directors and they were really lovely. And my producer was like, you should meet them and they should direct an episode. And we did this one episode, like a parody on Die Hard in a Mall during Christmas. And I went back and rewatched it after I saw that movie. There like, was hints of it there? Oh, yeah, because it's like there's this one moment where my character turns a gumball machine and I whisper into a gumball's ear, even though there's no ear, <laughs> and then the gumball like kills somebody. But they follow the gumball all through the mall and does oh. all this crazy stuff. And they directed that and they directed this other episode, Comic-Con Air. And they just did all this really fun, explosive stuff. When I saw their music video, I was like, this is different. This is weird. How can they fit in with me? And then there will always be this thing of, oh, I don't know if that's totally our show. You let them do their thing. And it's like, most of the movies we do on Unspooled are these classics that people hated. Right. Like, you know, when you re read these reviews for Raising Arizona, people are like, hey, it's goofy. Too it's weird. weird. What are they trying to do? They're trying too hard. Blood Simple was better. Bruce Willis will never be an action star. Die Hard is too <laughs> much on him. He can't mm -hmm. carry it. You read these things and it's like, because it's different. It yeah. shook you in a way, and you think different is bad, but oftentimes different is the precursor to new. Yeah, yeah a whole new you know? paradigm. All oh, right, so Paul, sorry. adore you. So fun. This is uh, a blast. Everyone should listen to Unspooled with you and Amy Nicholson. And um, of course, they should still be listening to How Did This Get Made? We are such huge Mansukas fans. It's ridiculous. The best. He's, he's, uh, he's most incredible. Fun. So good luck with everything. This has been a blast. And if you ever want to watch movies, I'm your I'm Uncle I'm down. That would be fun. And now my favorite part of the show, the fact check with my soulmate, Monica Padman. Are people congratulating you? I got a few congrats, yeah. It was all me. <laughs> Good job. But yeah, we won, as as you know. In almost <laughs> In an evil fashion. Victory. Yeah, definitive. Look, what are the words they say? Resounding. Uh, resounding. Uh, uh, massacre. Ma bloodbath. <laughs> um, not nice. Uh, Should have stopped. It's not our fault. It's I know. not our fault. You got to play as hard as you can. It's like Max Verstappen. I, uh, yeah. You got to drive as fast as you can at all times. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I was excited. You know what's funny? I was getting pretty distracted by the band, as I kind of do, the uh -huh. marching band. Mm -hmm. I was thinking... They probably celebrated more than the football team when they got to go. I bet they That's were fun. the most excited. Like, oh, my God, we're going to Los Angeles yeah. to play in this game. But then I was thinking, there's, but they don't, they don't compete. And I feel like okay. they should make a little space for the two bands to compete. Because oh. they're like part of the team. They want to get their hands dirty. Okay, but wait. They want to get a little blood on their hands, no, too. Because they probably have band competitions. They're just not. I know. They should have one at the game. Well, there's no time for that. Well, the, sure, before or after. Well, before. After is not going to work. <laughs> But before, it's like half hour before the game, let them go out there, blow it out on the field. Okay. And then, I don't know, impartial judge, blindfolded the whole time. Oh. No knowledge of who went out first. Okay. They levy a verdict. Because <laughs> nice they're competitive. Well, I know, but that, 
But that's like for cheerleading, we also sideline cheered. But you should get to do it on the main stage. But we did. We didn't need to compete also at games. But you should have at the no, big that's... CF, the conference, <laughs> whatever they call it, the championship. State? I don't know what was the acronym for that game. I'm just, I just mean we had our own thing. We didn't need to also compete at football games. Try to that's pull stupid. focus. Okay. Also, that's like below us. Okay. You know? All right. That makes sense. Gish. It was a great excuse for me to get the bros together. Oh. So me, Charlie, Matt, and Ryan all watched it together. Fun. Yeah, it was really fun. Cool. Until it wasn't. I bet Charlie was into it. No, he's the one who bailed in the fourth quarter with go to, in the sauna with oh, me. Oh, wow. Yeah. Surprised, because he likes victory. He does. And he has, he has no compassion in us. Exactly. Right. So it's cutthroat. It's really funny. Because Charlie played college football at Georgetown, you know, he knows more about that than any of us are going to know about that. Yeah. In his disdain for when guys don't get off the field when they're hurt it's like his code of honor he's like oh it, like he's not even grandstanding he's just over there getting more and more uncomfortable and then Ugh. slowly he's just letting out like get up and get off the field oh my god <laughs> well, sometimes the they're real. very injured i know but his thought is like you don't fucking show that it's kind of like something in show that's... business they don't they're not allowed to say they're hurt i just think for him personally his own ethics were you get off the field, you deal with your injury on the sideline, you don't make you don't let yourself be the show. You know, he's got a whole thing. He I does. respect his thing. Okay. Can't imagine him watching soccer. Why do they like, lay for hours? They they yeah, they take a nap. Well, and if you're just like barely pushed, they're on the ground. Oh, okay. There a lot of theatrics. Yes. NBA's like that too. Back when I was yeah. way into NBA, these guys are fucking they're hurting themselves more in flopping than they could ever get hurt in an actual foul. Yeah. Soccer's worse, though. Like it World, is. World Cup, which is also weird because they're very, very athletic men. Extremely. Sure, they can handle almost anything. So to see yeah. them do it is uh -huh. wild. There's a lot of pageantry. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it was really fun. My brother and dad had a wonderful time. My brother Saw a very adorable p picture of them. Yes. Um, my brother said it was the best day of his life. Oh, that's wonderful. What was the final score of that game? When I left, it was like 52 to 7. I was like, this isn't going to happen. 65 to 7, I think. Oh, wow. Wow, wow, wow. That's wow. 60 that's points. That's decisive. Yeah. It's nice. Yeah, it went from like, I, of course, I want Georgia to win on your behalf. And I'm also like drawn into a perfect record. You want to see a perfect record and a perfect record. There's all these like little incentives along sure. the way. And then, and like, so it was like, you know, 14 to seven. I'm like, oh, let's get them, you know, make it. And then uh, oh, the second quarter, I was like, oh, okay, this is getting a little. Yeah. And then it just was not fun. And then I, I felt really bad for the TCU people who'd flown all the way there from Texas, mm. some region of Texas that's indescript. Sure. It's all how you look at it, though, because, and I could be wrong, but my guess is that's a real once in a lifetime opportunity for TCU. I don't know their history, but that, I, I, that's the first time I ever heard of TCU. No yeah. disrespect to the Alumni Association. No, great school. Fine <laughs> men and women in the service in yeah. and around the world. Sure. Protecting but, us. But I do believe their chances of going back are small and they were really small to get there to begin with. So I understand if that you went to that school, like that's your time. You go and like hopefully that's just still but you're fun. You're wishing for a miracle, you know. It's like, I oh know, man, we pulled these upsets. We might even upset them. Like, yeah. But I did start, of course, and I don't feel too bad saying this because I'm from Michigan. I was thinking, well, I wish U of M was here playing this game. Yeah. 
But then again, if they had run all over U of M like that, I probably would have jumped out my window. You would have jumped out your window. Which is weird because I was in the basement. So and you don't be, I'd have to care that up. much. No, but I wouldn't <laughs> want Michigan to have been humiliated so thoroughly. Oh, by Had, it wouldn't have been that. I don't think so. Yeah. But who who's to say? I You're mean, right. they did just lose to TCU, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm walking on. I so now I can feel your roll tad anxiety. Like I'm on hollowed ground to even be talking about U of M. I didn't go there. <laughs> I want to be welcome in Michigan when I return. Mm -hmm. So I'm just I'm trying to choose my words really carefully. Yeah, you better. Wolverines, baby. <laughs> Speaking of Michigan and football players, you know, our friend Pack. Yeah. He did not play. Not at U of M. But he played football in Michigan. University of Detroit, I think. In high school. I in think. high school? Yeah, I think he played at U of D, which is a private high school in Michigan that oh. has the best football I team. I he played in college. He probably played in college, yeah. but I don't think it was at U of M. Okay. But I could be wrong. All I know is I love that guy. Sure. So anyway, side note, it was torrential downpour yesterday. Like stressfully so. Yes. <laughs> and, you know, I had to really do some talking to myself. Mm -hmm. Like, do not worry. Like, I'm worried about them out there in this slippery rain. Oh, that's what you were worried about? <laughs> There's a roof on the place. No, but just walking out and about in oh, this slippery your rain. your dad and your brother? Yeah. Okay. I thought you were talking about the football team. Oh, I'm no. I'm like, Jesus Christ, if these guys can't walk in the rain, they're like world-class athletes. No, okay. my, mainly my dad. Yeah, I totally understand yeah, that. Yeah, I'm just like, he has small <laughs> shoes. I don't know. Okay, but they also get a lot of rain down in Georgia. He's used I to know, these. I know, but- we're not equipped here in no. the same way. And the soil's not right for it. So yeah. it's like it doesn't percolate or go down or whatever the fuck it's called. Yes. Yeah, so I was, you know, I I bail in the fourth quarter, going to the sauna. I'm looking around the yard. It's dicey. Their water is, there's, it's pooled everywhere. Yeah. We're in a new place. You know, the drain, some of the drainage is not quite figured out. We already had a big drainage issue earlier in the year. And then I started going all around the property. It's freezing cold. It's raining like a motherfucker, cleaning out drains yeah. just to keep up with it. But it's coming so fast. So by the time I go to sleep and it's just a tsunami of water coming down, Oof. I have to say to myself, like, well, what can you do? You know, I'm thinking this house we've been working on for four years is about to get flooded and destroyed. Yeah. And then I just had to, like, let that go. Yeah. The whole rain thing and the stress of it. And then I woke, like, woke up this morning, it's still going on. Mm -hmm. And I meditated. And it became a gift to me. Okay, go on. Okay. This is a little hooey pooey. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. I'm owning that it's a little hooey pooey. Hooty pooty? Well, hoity. No, not hoity toity. Um, uh, hooey. Oh, woo 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 woo. I know. I made it yeah. hooty pooty because Oh, yeah. I just didn't want you to think I was saying it was hoity toity. It no. No, no. Okay. This is like hooey pooey. Woo woo. Wooey woo. <laughs> There's woo -woo. a word for it, but I can't. There's a sound for it. There's an onomatopoeia for it. Okay. Uh, but I'm trying to embrace the notion of the capital S self. I heard you say that before. Probably with Stutz, maybe. No, it was with Anna, but I think I cut okay. it because it was in a section. Because it, it was terrible. No. <laughs> and here we go again. You to, well, let me, like, oh, let me Remember that yeah. thing I cut already? <laughs> right, let's try it again. <laughs> no, 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 it's not, it's fine. Well, because I don't believe in God. Yeah. And my therapist does want me to get a toehold in faith. Yeah. Which I do too. He said, you know, 
a lot of people, instead of thinking of God, you think of capital S self. Mm. And this is like your, this is your beautiful unmarred little bean mm. that comes with you out of the womb. It's oh. just magically there. Okay. And where was it? It's kind of suspicious. What your, do you mean, where your was being, it? Your spirit, yeah. your your existence. Yeah. You mean where to come from? Yeah. Oh, okay. Like it's just there. And I like that. I'm like, yeah, where did that come from? We have this little spirit. Mm -hmm. And then the capitalist self is running the show and is free, but then things ultimately end up scaring the capitalist self. And the capitalist self hides, you mm. know, and then the little self comes in to protect. I'm making sense so far, yeah. right? Yeah. My little ass self was really in charge and got real honed. And the reason I can latch on to this idea is I see the capital S self in my kids. Mm -hmm. I can see it. It's like this beam of beauty and perfection. And I see it. Mm -hmm. And I can see where it would get shoved into a cave if enough bad things happen. And so I'm trying to connect with the capital S. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> so in my meditation, while stressed out about this rain and everything, I just started thinking about the capital S self. And I was like, oh, capitalist self doesn't care about things at all. Doesn't care if this house is destroyed. Mm. It doesn't care at all. It cares if the people I love are safe and around me. Mm -hmm. And they are. They were in the house. And then I felt good. Good. Yeah, I felt really good. I like totally let all that go. And I was like, no, no, the self I want to be doesn't really care about that stuff. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Is hooey? No, I don't think so. Hooey pooey. Well, it's not hooey pooey. It's hooty pooty. But <laughs> oh, hooty pooty. That's what. It is. No, no, it's not. I think that's lovely. I think whatever. Um, whatever you need to do. I do. Uh, not yeah, yeah, not yeah, yeah. you. No, I know. I know. I know. Not capital Y U. No, little little Y U's. <laughs> I think that's great. I also might be totally misinterpreting what he's saying. So I feel like I just don't want to add a disclaimer. I might not be getting that right. It's all about made sense in my mind this morning that put me at ease and gave, me, gave me gratitude that's all that matters really i had gratitude in the face of a lot of fear that's over good. material stuff yeah you're right i mean ultimately you're right but there's a primitive aspect it's your shelter there's yeah. like something and primitive. it's stress it's like okay if this happens then what then that's comes what a lot about. of fucking yes logistics and those are annoying that yeah my <laughs> mind went immediately to mold remediation water yeah. remediation good luck finding a company that's going to come to you in la right now certainly eight percent of houses in los angeles have been destroyed in the last 48 hours. Oh I mean, like God. downstairs in Black Mole Paradise, the mold's thriving. Oh. Like out, there's standing water in Black Mole Paradise in the corner. Yeah. Well, that's good for mm -hmm. Black Mole Paradise. The mold, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a super mold. Gains, gains, oh gains. Oh my God. Maybe in 2023, it'll be Black Super Mole Paradise. Well, that's cool. I'll probably be above <laughs> the garage at that point. Oh. I know. I know. Right when the mold's finding its super strength. <laughs> super strength. <laughs> Why'd the mushroom get invited to the party? Uh, why? Because he was a fun guy. Oh, I like that. I don't no. even know if that's the setup <laughs> of the joke. I like it, that. Okay, I haven't heard that. I like those science jokes, you know. <laughs> Do you say fun guy or fungi or fungi? <laughs> I would probably say fun guy. He's a fun guy. It's like pi aren't round. Pi are, no, pi are squared is no. area. I know, but what's the joke? 
Well, the in math, yeah. I might get this wrong. Either the area of a circle or the circumference, I think it's the area, is pi r squared. Yeah. So the radius squared times pi. Pi r squared. Yes. That's area. That's area. Okay. But pi aren't squared, pi r round. There we go. That's yeah. the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, I can hang with the nerds. I was in AP classes. <laughs> I can do the AP jokes. You could be my friend in high school. Yeah, pi and square. They're pi around. <laughs> okay. This is for Paul Shear. Paul Shear. Paulium Shear. First fact, how big is Long Island? Mm. Oh. And I guess. I probably already guessed in the episode. Uh, you might have guessed in the episode, but go ahead and guess again. I'm going to guess it's 89 miles long. Okay. The total length of Long Island is 120 miles, and its maximum width is 23 miles. The total area of Long Island, including the smaller islands within the political boundaries of the island, but excluding the bordering bays, is about 1,400 square miles. By our square. Ding, ding, ding. Um, the original owner of the Clippers, that racist guy, yeah. that was Donald Sterling. Yeah, Donald Sterling. Yeah, he was gnarly. Yeah. He also used to do this thing where it was like slave owner mentality where he would bring people exactly. into the locker room and touch them and grab them and point at their body parts. And, and also stuff. bring them around at parties. Mm -hmm. Remember Blake Griffin told us about oh, that. Oh, yes, yes. Yep. Yeah. Apparently Oof. he's banned from the NBA from, for life. Yeah. Yeah, that for saying some racist right. shit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now the sweetest guy on the planet owns it, Steve Ballmer. Oh. Balmer's radical. Oh, cool. Yes. He's one of Panay's friends, and I've gotten to oh, fun. hang out. Gotten to? Um, I got that? to. Yeah, I've got to. Hang. No, that I means I- I got to. I no. got to. But if I want to say plural, like I've done it a few I've times. Gotten to? That's what I said, and I didn't, no, didn't feel right. It's still plural. I've got to. No. I have got- You'd still say, I got to. Oh, I got no- but it exactly, but in it would still be plural. Got can be plural too. Gotcha. <laughs> or you could just say I hung out. You know, you don't have to say got to. Right. But you wanted to say I had the chance. Ding ding fucking ding. Uh huh. University of Detroit. What about Steve Ballmer? <laughs> He's from he there. He played football at U of D okay. as well. <laughs> I didn't know Holy that. Holy fuck! That was crazy. Hold wow. on tight. Wow. This whole thing scripted. <laughs> um. Okay. Is gypsy cab offensive? Uh, 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 there's multiple thoughts out there, but ding, 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 resounding. Yeah. Y yes, it is. Okay. Just FYI. What would you call it if you couldn't call it that? That's my issue. An illegal cab. That's huh. what it means. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. They were basically Uber before there was Uber. They're like, are you sick of this medallion having taxi cab racket? Yeah. Syndicate? Yeah. Come with us. Right. Illegal. Illegal cabs. <laughs> That's right. We'll take you to where you want to go. The highest rate of child abuse happens between child and step parent. You said that. And that's true. That checks out. It's called the Cinderella effect. Oh. Results of a 2009 study show that families living with a man who was not the biological father of all the children in the home 
and families living without a man in the home were significantly more likely to be contacted by CPS compared to families in which the biological father of all the children lived with the mother. Mm -hmm. The following year, a report on the National Incident Study of Abuse and Neglect, which examines not only CPS cases, but all reported incidences of abuse and neglect to community professionals, also found that maltreatment rates differed according to family structure. Children living with their married biological parents had the lowest rate of abuse and neglect, whereas those living with a single parent who had a partner living in the household had the highest rate. Mm -hmm. Compared to children living with married biological parents, those whose single parent had a live-in partner were at least eight times more likely to be maltreated in one way or another. It, yeah, because I had read, so that kind of lines up. I was scared to say it in the episode, but I thought I had remembered reading it like 80% of child abuse cases are of the mm. step parent. So eight times the More rate likely. is that would put you in the realm of 80%. They were 10 more, more likely. Hmm. That That's was some a grammar. That, yeah, yeah, but that was a copy paste. So uh, I don't like that. Doesn't seem good. That seems like this isn't a .org. Right. But they were 10 more is more likely to experience abuse and eight times more likely to experience neglect. Mm. A 2001 study by Aruna Radhakrishna and colleagues at UNC followed 644 North Carolina newborns for eight years. These babies were mostly from families considered at high risk of abuse or neglect based on the characteristics of the mother and infant at birth. Researchers found that maltreatment was lowest among children who lived with two biological parents. Maltreatment was most common in homes with a step father or boyfriend with 80% of the maltreatment occurring between birth and age four, 20% between ages four and six and 27 between ages six and eight. Unlike the 2009 study, however, this one found no significant difference in maltreatment rates between kids living with both parents and kids living with only their biological mother. Yeah, that makes sense. I will say as a counterpoint to be ethical that in the book Behave, which I'm obsessed with and uh -huh. is the most comprehensive book I've ever read, if you can get through it, yeah, it brought up the evolutionary explanation, the killing off the offspring so the wife gets fertile, mm -hmm. you know, sexual partner gets fertile. Um, but he did have a counter argument to that that might also explain it. Which and I forget that. Oh, but dang. It, he, he was ethical and that he presented a counter. I see. Yeah, that hmm. also seemed plausible, but I forget what it was. Hmm. I like the other one, so it's the one I remembered. Sure. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's really tough. But then, yeah. you know, it's all, yeah. I mean, these are all just percentages because I also have a friend whose stepdad was far preferred to his dad. Oh, for sure. You know. And Carly's stepdad was 30 times the man that her biological yeah. father was. It's all dependent. Yeah. Mm. I'm glad you never had. <laughs> Same. <laughs> Any of them. I am grateful. I have a great dad. Even if it goes well, it's really bizarre. Yeah, I'm to sure. To have an adult move into your house. That's not your, you know. Yeah. That sounds judgmental to people that are like falling in love and they're divorced. Yeah, no. I, and it's not. And I'm I literally, I couldn't be more sympathetic to my mother. You, you need companionship. So I'm yeah. not. It's just, I'm saying from my perspective, it was very weird to have a man move in every few years. Yeah. It was weird. That was your experience. It wasn't a positive one. <laughs> it was not a positive for you. one. No. I Except for Barton. Barton was yeah. totally a positive but one. But you no, were I was out also, of the house. Well, I was, yeah, I was still in, but I was 16. And literally, 
like, I didn't feel any sense of loss of autonomy. I was like, I'll kill this guy. I'm old enough and I'm big enough. And if he tries wow. to put the law down, I had no threat in my mind mm -hmm. of being subjugated by this man. I was just like, I was grown. Yeah. Enough. Yeah. And he was lovely. So it was no issue. Right. I, because I was obsessed with the Karen books. Okay. Oh, ba babysitter's oh. little sister. Unfortunate name now. Oh, yeah, true. I feel bad. Oh my for god, Karen's. I wonder if that little girl turned into me, Karen. I know. I just feel so bad for Karens. Uh, yeah. Well, do you think Karens are going? Some of them have decided to start going by their middle name. No, but I think now if you name your kid Karen, you're making such a choice. A declaration. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or Brandon. <laughs> yeah, That's Brandon's what, okay. probably off the table too. Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. The the rally cry for the right. Oh. Who hate Biden. Oh, I don't even. You don't know. Let's go, Brandon. I mean, yeah, that's familiar, but that doesn't come it's, to it's mind so like Karen. That that's an anthem that, that it's so people dumb. that they're mocking do you, don't even get. Do you know the origin of it? No, I don't. See, think I argue the opposite, Rob. The thing that annoys me is that they actually think they're the only people that get it. Yeah, yeah. You I know, there's like some like smugness to it. It's like, yeah, yeah we know what that, that fucking is. Like, what is it? So Biden was somewhere. Yeah. Public. People were chanting, fuck you, Biden, fuck you, Biden. And he heard it as, let's go, Brandon. And he goes, yeah, let's go, Brandon. <laughs> I mean, it's just. Yeah. So then that became the rally cry. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to the dunes tonight. Yeah. I'm going to see a bunch of let's go, Brandon flags yeah. tomorrow morning. Lots in Texas when we were there. <laughs> oh, sure. Sure. It's stupid. Yeah. Um, I, f I was going to say something. Before let's go, Brandon. Yeah. Um, we were oh, step Karen. Yeah, Karen. Um, I was obsessed with those books, and she had step parents, and so she had this huge family because of the step parents and the step brothers and sisters. Both parents had remarried. Yeah, and mm. I wanted that. Oh, you did? Yeah. Uh huh. Looked fun in the books. So fun. I mean, so many people in the house, and yeah. in and out, and like a sitcom. Yes, it looked really fun. Do they all live together? The two families. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, they sure did. did. Uh, well, look, probably the vast majority of step-parents do not. I mean, it's probably, you abuse? know. Abuse, yeah. Yeah, the incident rate yeah. is probably like one in every 30. Right. But because it's 80% of the cases. Yeah. Statistics, you got to really. Pick them apart. You got to understand what they're really saying. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's not saying 80% of step-parents abuse. No, we need to very make clear. that very yeah. clear. Yeah, in fact, we, we should take the time to make that clear. <laughs> of the incidents. I think I might end up being a step parent. It's on the table. It's a possibility. It's a possibility. Mm -hmm. We mm -hmm. just don't know yet. We don't know. Or my kid might have a step parent. There you go. Just I'm beyond him like fucking stank on shit. I'll tell you oh that right dad, now. Protect that little girl. Please leave him alone. No, a couple check-ins a day. Hey, Mike, how we doing? How's your temper? No. Yeah. <laughs> Where are we at? What's your outlet, Mike? Who are you talking to? Oh my God, I Mike, cannot. Go, you take a walk with me, Mike. No, let's go for a little. You're not walk. allowed to yeah. go on walks. You, uh, with me. I say, Mike, you see that fucking little girl in there? <laughs> What's the little girl's name, Monica? We naming her? Oh, I don't. Baby in the grass. Okay. Okay, but no, but that's not her name. B i t g. Big old titties. <laughs> Tiggle bitties. Don't Listen. call my baby that. Okay, but you just put out the acronym for it, so it popped up. We can call her big, yeah. baby big. in grass, big, okay. big, big. Okay, okay. It's funny Mike. because she's so little. Exactly. It's <laughs> ironic. Jumbo shrimp, oxymoronic. Pyre around, pyre squared. Listen, I'm gonna say Mitch. It, 
and no. he's gonna go. It's Mike, and I. But I said Mitch on purpose to let him know. Dax, listen, Mitch, Mike. Yeah, Mike. Listen to me. Big <laughs> is an angel, and I talk to Big a lot. Oh God! And if Big ever even hints that you got physical with her. I'm going to slam your fucking head in the door over and over again until there's nothing left of it, Mitch. Wow. Okay. Merry Christmas. <laughs> I hope you guys have a great holiday you in Hawaii. <laughs> I'm glad Monica has found love. This is awful. But Mitch, make no mistake. If you get handsy with Monica or Big, <laughs> you are fucked nine ways from I'm Sunday. I'm definitely naming her Big. <laughs> That's a you. great name it for is, her. It is. It is. And she'll have a big old personality like yours. <laughs> And tig old biddies. Well, I don't want to comment. <laughs> she's on my that. daughter. Yeah, but I, she's a baby, so I'm not gonna think about that. <laughs> and I'm her, and I'm her uncle. They won't come in until much later. Yeah, and you know, Mitch might have to have a conversation with you as her uncle because lots of uncles do bad stuff. Mitch, bring the conversation <laughs> my way, okay? I'm Wait, happy to take a walk. You with should you. be able to also say, Actually, I, you know, if Mitch pulls me aside yeah. and he says, "Listen to me." You're a good dude, but my eyes on you. Yeah. Don't be fucking with my family. I'd be like, Mitch, you like that. Good looking out, brother. Yeah. I'm with you. You respect that. And the same goes for you, motherfucker. <laughs> you can't, yeah, and then I, I go back. <laughs> I can't have Mitch living right next Mitch, to you. Mitch, I do have cameras in the backyard of the house. <laughs> I mean, Mike, you have me calling him Mitch. Oh, no. See? Oh, my God. Oh, poor Mitch. <laughs> <laughs> These suckers don't have a chance. No. Between me and Big and you. Yeah, big oh. brother slash dad. <laughs> the only, um, my dad will be nice to him. That's why I got to <laughs> grab Mitch around the collar. Tell him my I'm, dad's never a, took you aside. There's a sheriff on He's that. always well, asking. He he's always asking how you are yeah, and thinking right, about we're bros. you. We're bros. He, How's Dax doing? He handed you off to me. I'm his comrade. He didn't ask any questions. He could tell the characters <laughs> there. He knew. <laughs> he did hand and at one point because I told him the story recently about how when you came over because you thought I, I was dead uh-huh yeah and he was so happy okay good and I, I was like Kristen also was texting a lot and then mm -hmm. Dax came over and, and your fucking TV was on the ground no that was That's... a different time that was oh, a different okay, time okay. <laughs> remember the time I got my booster uh, and then it was like noon, and for some oh, reason, Kristen had been trying to get a hold of me. Then you guys got it in your head something was wrong. You yeah. were DMing Callie. Uh -huh. It was a big deal. Yep. And then you came over. Yeah. And you were out to lunch or something. I was asleep. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Because I was up till five because the booster. Oh, right. Okay. Well, that's all right then. Anyway. Mitch, don't let her sleep in, Mitch. She's going to have a tendency to try to sleep all day, and that's going to scare the I'm shit gonna... out of Kristen and I. So, Mitch. You know, alarm clock. This is an alarm clock. Do you know how to use this? If not, I'll go set it up. Mitch, oh, you incompetent motherfucker. Hey. I'm sorry. He's great with tech, but he's, he's weird. You he's be a... nice to him. Okay. okay. I will. I will. So long as, you know. <laughs> I, I'm nervous that Big is going to do something rascally like I did, like with the- Manipulate um, me into beating Mitch up? Yeah. Like I'm also going to buy a polygraph to hook Mitch up too. <laughs> Which we know doesn't work. Yeah, but it's good enough for me. Why are you so nervous, Mitch? Oh. Why do you think? My name is Mike. <laughs> You're all up in my shit. I'm a nice person who loves Monica. I'm, we're moving. I've done nothing but dedicate my life to oh. trying to make her happy. And you've got me hooked to this polygraph machine. And I say, I'm going to come Christmas home and be like, ah, oh, Dax, <laughs> Dax is here again, <laughs> hooked you up. 
my stethoscope. Big is just walking back and yeah, forth as your accomplice. Yeah, as I'm distracting all the caregivers. Tampon in his butt. <laughs> oh, no, that's not. We don't know about that yet. We don't know. That's a that's an Easter egg. Believe um, it or not, it's a real Easter egg. <laughs> <laughs> But she might have a year like I had my first grade year. She might have Thief a real stuff, rebellious year and oh. sand art. And she might come over and she might say, Mitch called me a bad word. Yeah. And I'll go, what word? She'll have to think on her feet. She'll go, booga bar. No, it'll be um, shit skin. Don't say, I don't like when you say that. Well, <laughs> I didn't say it. Big said it as a lie. Oh. I, it, she wouldn't have known that word she's unless so Mitch smart. said it. No, she's Mitch is going down. <laughs> Excuse me, Mitch. Can I talk to you for a second? Might Did be. you fucking call? Mitch, get over here. Where are you? Why are you walking away? Mitch, I got to ask you a question. Yeah, that's right. You're walking away because I know what you did. <laughs> and really, he just didn't give Big some candy. You got to be careful, okay? <laughs> well, you think Big's going to be a real I know sport. her. Okay. okay? Right. I know her. All right. She's a bad girl. <laughs> a very bad, bad, bad girl. girl. <laughs> Naughty girl. Oh. Is that all the facts? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wonderful. All right. I love you, Monty. I love you. And have a great time at the sand dunes. Thank you so much. I can't wait. Bye. Bye. Bye.